Here to frustrate you more than Sid not getting an all-star in 94, it's the Brave and Faithful podcast with Willow Callahan and Joe Troy. So welcome to episode two of the Brave and Faithful podcast, a phenomenal first week. We thank you all for listening. Today, of course, we are here in Bournemouth O'Connor Park, where we will preview next weekend's Offaly Senior Football Final between Road and Tullamore. We'll be having reaction from both the Tullamore and Road camps, as well as looking back on a bumper weekend of hurling action, where Kilcormacalahi have joined St. Rhinus in this year's county, semi, or county final. rather. Also, Drumcullen and Kennedy return to the top table of Offaly Senior Hurling. We'll also speak to St. Rhinus captain Grania Dolan after St. Rhinus have done four ladies county finals in a row and also look forward to another Leinster campaign. Uh, so we'll introduce, as always, we're going to be previewing what is another historic clash, Road and Tullamore. They split the titles, the top two, Road, of course, bearing down on title number 30 against the Tullamore team, hot their coattails, to try and claw back the deficit to one. Well, that's it, Joe. Uh, we're here in Bordemont O'Connor Park. It's a pretty busy period. We're in the middle of county finals. That's why our podcast is as focused around them currently. And yeah, just to echo what you said at the top, uh, great that people were listening, subscribing, joining us on social media over the last while. The feedback's been great. It uh, kind of gives us the energy to come back here this week to look forward to the football final and take a look back at the hurling. Uh, the football's intriguing because you know, Road, who many of us have written off or said they're coming towards the end of this cycle, uh, continue to defy all expectations. This is nine county finals in a row. I remember being here in 2013 when Tullamore overcame Road the last time that they met in the final. Uh, since then, Road have gone back to dominate again. And even last year, when it seemed like maybe there was a passing of the torch when Forban won the title, Road are still back here for the ninth consecutive season. So you look at Alan McNamee and the impact that he had coming off the bench in their semi-final victory after extra time against Eden Derry. It just goes to show the experience that's across that team. And even when you look at some of the young guns like Aaron Keelahan this year, St. Joseph's Roger Bridge captain, as they made a bit of history themselves by winning a first Leinster school for that Westmead school, they can just seem to bring in one or two players every now and then, and that's enough to regenerate. I was speaking to Mally McNulty. They went for outside management when Jack Cooney and Pascal Keelahan finished last season. Uh, they're now both managing Westmead. Uh, they've gone for Malachy, who was part of basically all of Port Leash's success over the last 20 years or so. As a player, firstly, and then pretty much directly from his playing career, he became their manager and was richly successful with them in recent seasons in Leash. So they've kept that kind of winning mentality going. And Tullamore have got this youthful side who are coming through in many ways brought on by Niall Stack at Colosh de Cullum in Tullamore. So he knows exactly what to do to get the most out of these players, notwithstanding some of the experience. And we'll hear from Paul McConway, you know, who's been with them through failures, through all their underage success with Tullamore, has won titles, has captained Offaly. We heard from Johnny Maloney on the podcast last week, who's a crucial player for both club and county at this stage, albeit in different roles. There's no reason that Tullamore can't believe that they can beat Road this coming Sunday. No, and I did do the interviews uh, both for Offaly TV and also Midlands 103 across in O'Brien Park with Niall Stack. And of course, Niall Stack has played against these Road guys. He's won county championships with Tullamore. Uh, you know, back from his first final in 98, right through to that period where Tullamore were really, really progressive. He's looking at the youngsters that have come in. You know, he's handled them in school. He has them with the club. He maybe. Once they finished some of the elder Tullamore statesman's career, but he certainly postponed him. But he's had to come back for that experience of Paul McConway, who's had a pretty horrific 14 months with injury, and Shane Dooley. You know, when they really needed him to step up, he delivered um, in the later part of the group stages to fire home that goal to, to put them on their way against Clara. So it is a huge final. You know, we talked about Alan McNamee, just nearly a telepathic move uh, to set up that goal because Road were on the ropes. You know, Eden Derry were coming with a wet sail. Um, they really, really put it up to that road side for long parts. They looked 
looked like they might knock them out of the championship. And of course, we all know the drama that unfolded between Ferban and Tullamore. So I think I asked uh, the Tullamore camp, you spoke to the road, mm. was history much of a weight on it? It doesn't seem to be. The youngsters, particularly in Tullamore, are playing with a lot of freedom. Um, that experience would have standed to them. Have they came back to the county final day quicker than expected? I think the general uh, summary of it would be yes. But I don't think um, they've been used to winning underage titles coming up. They're going to be around for a long time. And I just think seven years for Tullamore to be out of a final, they have a very, very expecting crowd, rightly or wrongly, form out the window. I think to win Tullamore, get to a final, they expect to deliver. But look, road or a wounded animal will. We know what went on last year. We know Nile McNamee missed that final. Um, they are very, very live danger. You know, they would have been the team that Ferban would have said, look, if we can get through, we play road in the final, try and cement our place, make that two in a row. Of course, they fell out of that game against Tullamore on penalties. But... It's hard to look beyond road, despite the energy Tullamore will bring, despite the youth that it'll bring, you know, road know how to manage these situations. And I think this one will be very sweet if they can get over because Alan McNamee has come back, he's reduced impact from the line. But, you know, you look at the two derbies, Niall McNamee, they're certainly in the twilight stages of their career. But as John Motten said, they still have loads to offer at county level. So who's not to say they can go on for another five, six, seven years with the club? Yeah, and look, it's the potential for Road to make their own piece of history and to write the history books by getting to 30 before Tullamore. Because I remember the arguments back in 2013 was almost like, who's going to get to 27 first or 28 first? Or where are they going to go from here? And then Tullamore got the victory. And the conversation in 2013 was not too dissimilar to this year. People thought that Road were going into that final. All expectation was on them to get victory. And then Tullamore put in the performance to get their win. I find Noel Stack intriguing because you know, Niall has been involved in motivation with many different teams and even individuals. People are probably aware that he's worked with Killian Sheridan uh, who is, I guess, a former Republic of Ireland striker given the way his career has gone. Uh, but when he went to Poland, uh, Niall Stack was working with him in terms of just motivation and getting him back confident in front of goal again. And Killian Sheridan has etched himself a very nice career across various countries since. So that, I wouldn't underestimate that kind of motivational factor that he's going to have there. We know about Tullamore's talent that's coming through. I would kind of wonder if maybe it might be a big task for a lot of them to go out and play a first county final. I know the argument against that, and you were talking to the Tullamore camp, is these guys have been to Leinster school finals. They've been to All-Ireland finals. It doesn't really make that much of a difference county final day versus that when you've already played on big occasions. Well, look, I've had a good chat with Niall Stack, both on air and off air. And, you know, Niall has a stellar club playing career here with Tullamore behind him. But... Probably the hardest group to manage in any club are youngsters coming through from adolescent years into their early, you know, adult years. And if you can get them playing for a manager, which they've done for Niall Stack through schools and now through the club, that's a huge fill up on your side because if you have that group motivated, coming behind, disciplined, and they play for the manager, that's huge. And I think Niall Stack exudes confidence, but he talks so well of his players. You know, he's open, he's honest. Um, you'd, you'd find him, he's a guy that you could easily believe in. You know, there's a huge experience, of course, in the road camp. They nearly are robotic in the sense of how they play and how they develop and how they train. Some years, road could go without a manager and the players in the job in Northern Field. Tullamore will have to learn that ropes. I just think, I even asked Paul McConaughey about playing out here with a reduced crowd, maybe 100, 200, 300, whatever the case may be next Sunday. Paul said he didn't even know before the penalties an extra time, he didn't know there was no crowd here at all. We'll hear that in the interview later on. It's intriguing. I think that takes the pressure off Tullamore. If you have nine, ten thousand 10,000 people here with Tullamore in a county final on a normal day, huge weight of expectation and pressure. I think they'll have a chance to play with freedom, play with abandon outside in the field. But I just said, while Tullamore are live danger, I think this road team have serious focus on reclaiming that Dowling Cup and re-establishing themselves. And look, there's been, what a village, you know, what a parish, because 
when every time I go to road to the preview night, I know you went this year, you speak about, you know, when targets are hit, you know, Niall McNamee getting to the likes of 10 championships, Alan McNamee going 11, 12, they don't look at that. When they look back on what this group has achieved the last 15 to 20 years, it's been quite phenomenal. Yeah, I know, I'd agree entirely. And it was a slightly sombre tone, admittedly, in road last weekend because we were only really kind of six or seven days on from Pat's Mullen being laid to rest in the village the week before. So it's one of those things, I think that's probably going to be a little bit of a motivating factor for them too, that I'm sure they would love to dedicate their success to Pat's Mullen if they were to win the title this coming Sunday. And it's funny, the weight of expectation doesn't seem to worry either of these two clubs. You're probably growing up in a club where it's already steeped in success and where there's an expectation that you're going to do well. And I know you were talking to Niall Stack and uh, one of the questions that comes up is, is this maybe a year ahead of schedule or were you expecting to get to a county final? And I'm going to paraphrase what he says slightly here, which is like, every year we expect to get to a county final. That's the kind of bar that these two clubs set. And I just hope in terms of the game that we get something befitting the two semi-finals because with so much drama, and sometimes it doesn't happen on county final day, uh, well done to Declan Kelly, an Offleyman who yeah. got St. Lomans to victory in Westmead, their fifth title in eight years yesterday when they beat Tyrrell's Pass. But that Westmead final was a complete slugfest and uh, both teams struggled to get away from each other. It went to extra time. And in the end, it was kind of freeze and who held their nerve that made a decision in a very low-scoring game. I'm hoping after some of the free-flowing and exciting football we saw in the two semi-finals a couple of weekends ago that we get a final similar to that because both these teams can play really good football. Yeah, and look, before we do leave the football action, when I spoke to Niall Stack, what he said was his whole thing coming in was the Tullamore, look at their underage structure, even if they win on Sunday and they even go on and win next year, that they bring on the youth because he thought that Tullamore were victims of their own success in terms of, and he might have referenced, you know, bore off here that sometimes when you're successful for long periods of time, you think it's just Thanks, go, going automatically happen and we'll come to bore in a minute. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, he would have said that Road, Eden Derry, Forban, uh, he mentioned a few other clubs and along with Tullamore, the excitement that's coming through. And in bold prediction that he reckons the awfully underage setup have as good a sprinkling of youngsters coming through as is in any county in Leinster and he thinks that maybe Offaly have underachieved but it's starting to come back the right way he sees no reason why Offaly can't become you know a super eight um, competitor and cement her place there in the next couple of years and he would have you know listen to him give you serious grounds for optimism and look we've seen them here um, it's now a chance for them maybe post-county final to get back in under John Mohan and see what they can do on the inter-county stage. Yeah, look, we'll switch to the hurling because we had the two hurling semi-finals this weekend. One here on Sunday uh, where St. Rhinus beat Burr, a very familiar story in terms of how that game went. And on Saturday, KK got the better of Belmont. So a very familiar kind of look about this county final. Uh, but if you're in KK, you surely have the feeling that this is one they're going to win because if history repeats itself, KK have beaten Rhinus in three recent finals. Yeah, and look, I suppose you get loads of banter. First thing we have to clarify, because getting it all morning, are you going to come back on your two predictions that were wrong? Yes, I did tip or to win. I did say Belmont had a great chance. I don't actually think, bar maybe one preview, I might have said that Belmont would win. But I think Belmont were the most... That was with us, by the way. Yeah, but Belmont were probably the most disappointing of the four sides. They left it too late to come back into it. Um, we'll go, I suppose, through match by match. The KK-Belmont game in Bor, a lot of expectation on it. Um, Kilcormick and were coming through somewhat of a period of transition. They have the bulk of that team that have served them so well. And there was a major injury out over Kyle Kiley uh, coming into it with a leg injury. But what a performance he gave in. And like 
like we said with the likes of Keane Farrell here a couple of weeks ago, there becomes times early in players' career that they have to make the step up and become from just a normal player into a potential leader for a team going forward. And I think that's what Cahill Kiley done in large parts the other day because to an extent he would have been always living in the shadow of the brother growing up with the Puck Fathers and he matched them and you know all Ireland Puck Fathers now he's second to him and maybe we'll pass him out in the year two. And both Kylie's look good the other day. Um, I thought, you know, Keelan showed a bit of immaturity and I would have said it to us straight to his face talking to him. Does this become a constant problem now, Joe? Because it's going, he's going to get a reputation, if he doesn't already have one, about red cards and about frustrations and about maybe getting you know, caught up sometimes in instances where he thinks it's a problem. That opposition players are going to target him now because you see a talented player on the opposite end who has a history of getting dismissed and so therefore you'll target him to try and get him sent off. Yeah, look, it was just stupidity. It wasn't it wasn't that he was going out lashing out or, you know, putting in massive big hits. It was it was sloppy yellow cards and you know, he gets caught in the heat at the moment. I said it to him after the match. I said, like Keelan, if let her be brains, you wouldn't have enough to saddle a parrot. You know, you have to just learn here and relax because a needless one, he could have got a second yellow for out on the stand side. Just the line ball came. Player didn't hand him back the ball. Plows out through him, you know, pushes him over. And then Ushin Kelly was coming through, had given the pass and stood his ground and, you know, gives that invite to the referee to show the second yellow. From a KK perspective, they're lucky they were home and hosed. But you don't want that happening because while he's not going to miss a game, if that's to happen against St. Rhinus with 10 or 15 minutes to go, the game takes on a life of its own. But I think, by and large, he's had a reasonably good year. Uh, there wasn't so much malice in it. It's just it's sloppiness from him. And I would have spoken to him, look, I get on quite well with him off the field. But I think it was all about what Cottle done up the other end. You know, Keelan is the standout name. Everyone knows the ability he had. But Cottle has taken over the mantle of free-taking from Kieran Slevin, who has been, you know, for 15-odd years, he's been at the top of his game. But Jordan Quinn has been a revelation at full-back. Jerry Healian is coming in with that experience at full-forward now. They've kind of accepted that role. Uh, Kevin Grogan, again, reeling back the years. Ender Grogan, Damien Clemartin in the half-back line. That's a solid team. And the thing about KK is they're probably able to manage the game so well, much like St. Rhinus. And that's what happened probably here yesterday. But Belmont didn't fire early. There was no goals which they've been scoring. Uh, Ushin Kelly didn't really catch fire. Why didn't he catch fire then? I think maybe, I don't know whether it was just from the management or the need to get him into the game. But, you know, he started 11. Next thing he was 13, out to the wing, coming out to the middle of the field, half and trying to get on the ball, make something happen, running from deep. You need Ushin while he's as powerful as he is, you don't need him back on your own 45 trying to carry the ball the length of the field. But that's credit to KK as well. They had their matchups right. You know, um, Colin Egan was causing a bit of bother for them early on in terms of his fielding. Joe Mattered a couple of half chances, but wasn't at the level he was at in the previous game. Um, Stephen Leonard and Jordan Quinn in particular in that full back line were mopping up everything. Like Connor Slevin was setting up good attacks with some good deliveries. And just Belmont never really caught fire. Um, <coughs> look, the loss of the two boys in the full back line, uh, James Nally and David Kelly, were huge. It forced Trevor Fletcher to rejig, and you can't really afford to be down to your mainstays, your full back line. And KK got a bit of joy inside. But I just think Belmont now are in the territory. That's four semi finals in a row they've lost. You know, treat them by a pint, and now one by four pints. They had a late rally. Mark Cattle got a wonderful goal, but. Again, Kilcormick, Kalati and St. Rhinus were probably the smart money in terms of backing Bodham. They're unbeaten. I just thought I'd seen something different. That's why you went against Bodham then? Yeah, look, probably a bit of naivety on my part. I just thought I'd seen enough because I would have been doubtful in Bor last year and I would have took a bit of heat from the supporters that you're writing off Bor. But I thought they had turned a corner. Um, I think Barry Whelan has still stepped, since stepped down from last night. Um, so they're going to have to go and try and build a new team. There'll be doubts over whether Brian Mullins will return. 
you know, Paul Cleary was nursing a couple of bits of injuries coming in. Uh, came in very late yesterday, had a half a goal chance. It was smothered up by the Ryan's defence. Sean Ryan was kind of carrying a knock coming in. A lot of years in those legs. It's like looking at Bor and St. Rhinus, Bor got the perfect start, perfect toe in the game. They led by a point, Rhinus drew, led by a point, led by two. They had a chance here yesterday, it was a pivotal moment to go four clear. Owen Cattle just pulled the 45 or 65 rather to the right hand side of the post. Rhinus get a score, two more after it, and all of a sudden they're level and Rhinus kick on. The story just sounds so familiar though, because this is like the last kind of 12, 15 minutes of last year's county final. This is like the first group game against Kilcormac Kalahi, where Burr faded out of the game after the water break. When something happens that often, you know, it becomes a repeated sequence. That's not by luck, that's not by chance. Burr have faded out of big games in the last two years. They have, and that was the question marks they had over them. That's why I, I thought, looking at the dismantulation, you could say, of both Colerian and, and Sir Kieran was they had turned that corner. Eight scores against Sir Kieran, four yesterday. One pint from three different players, the rest from Owen Cattle, and one pint from play from Cattle. That's four pints from play, realistically, over the hour from your forward unit. Not enough. They had a couple of half goal chances. Maybe they could have felt, you know, Conor Hernan got a yellow here when Bo were trying to set up a goal chance late on. He also took a man out. A clever foul, in my opinion, because Colin Maroney's bearing down a goal. Early in the game, six, seven minutes in, should there have been a yellow there, and maybe Conor Hernan walking towards the end of it. That's something you'll, you'll ride those challenges early as a defender and get away with them. But Burr only had a couple of half chances. The ball spilled to nine lines. He pulled, didn't make the cleanest of connection to get them back in the game later on. But just the spread of scores St. Rhinus had. My big turning point, I thought, for Burr was could O'Shea Murphy and Jimmy Irwin completely snuff out Luke O'Connor and Aaron Kenny? And the overall answer was no, because Luke O'Connor and Aaron Kenny were on fire yesterday. Aaron Kenny got a goal on seven. Now, seven place balls, but he won quite a number of his own frees and in general was a good link man for play. But the whole Rhinus team is built around Sean Dolan. Like, he's an absolute proverbial dog in the best sense. He, like, he's like, if you had him and Connor Matten for KK, you know, going into battle, you throw in behind them because they just don't really care about themselves, you know, and they're, they're just players that you could count on to put their face in front of a, a hurl, you know, and Sean Dolan, you look back on him, he's everywhere and he's linking the play and you'd say he's like a Bonner Matter all setting up, but next thing you look at the programme, three points from play, mm -hmm. and he gave Brian Watkins a tired time. Now, Brian Watkins struck a lot of ball, but under the pressure from Sean Dolan closing, there was a serious amount of misplaced passes for Burr yesterday. St. Rhinus through Pat Cameron, Ben Keneally, Matthew Maloney, heads up hurling. The delivery of ball that Luke O'Connor and Aaron Kenny were getting made it hard on the likes of Jimmy uh, Irwin and, and Oshie Murphy. Now, they done fine by no matter were either of them cleaned. Oshie Murphy, in particular, put in a couple of big moments in the match in terms of defending. But when you have space and quality ball going in, you've seen it yourself. Rhinus are kind of becoming masters at playing it out through the lines and setting up that platform to attack and they're starting to manage games that bit better again. Yeah, and look, one of the criticisms there was about Rhinus once upon a time was that they tried to run the ball a bit too often and maybe hurled a bit too nice. Uh, Sean Dolan gives you a good balance and he can win you the ball and it means they can go a bit longer from time to time. As you mentioned, you know, the likes of O'Connor give him just a little bit of pace now at this stage, uh, which allows him to mix it up a little bit and that could be important in this final against KK. Before we get the expert opinions of both Brian Carl and of Johnny Dooley, big day, yes, big weekend I should say because they were across two days for both from Cullen and for Kennedy. Uh, we spoke about the fact that these two semi-finals at Senior B effectively worked out to be county finals yeah. in their own right because there was promotion on the line. Now, I'm sure that derby is going to be very interesting with the Senior B final on Sunday week, but at the same time, the big achievement for the year for both teams was to get back up to senior level. Yeah, look, huge, I suppose. 
when I was talking to you last week, we were previewing a game, and do you know what? Obviously, as part of the panel, they couldn't give too much away. There was massive, I suppose, confidence riding on our game, but massive apprehension because you know we've been out here, we've been in in places where we've got to that semi-final, quarter-final hurdle, and you know there's a lot of work going into our club. You know, we had a couple of years there, Paddy Carroll, and we were so close as well. Adrian Clancy came back in. He had been with us for one year and, of course, got to St. Ryan a senior job. And there's a lot of work going on in our club. We are a small club, um, but we're a proud club. And what we've done, we're under no illusions going up uh, senior A next year. We need to progress the club on a bit further. We have a strong underage structure, you know, with our neighbour, Sir Kieran. We're in the under-13A final. The under-15s are still involved in their championship. The under-17s had a good run. And we have a strong under-11 team come behind it. All the, our kind of mantra will be that you leave the jersey in a better place. And whether you're playing or involved in the club, we have a lot of good people there. And it was hugely important for us to get back because bringing the championship to 10 teams next year, we all knew that getting to the semi-final was essentially your county final. This is a golden year because it becomes yeah. more difficult to get up next season. The way it worked out, well, look, Cargo never sound relegated yesterday. We could have been in that position if results had gone our way. We had a do-or-die game against Kennedy. We let ourselves down here and, to an extent, let our club and supporters down against Lusmer for a performance. But, you know, we're a loyal bunch. Um, we, we would have had some words together. We kept everything in-house. We trained hard. Um, a lot of the guys there this year, you know, I know you'd have the old cliches, you die for each other in a band of brothers, but, like, there's not kind of a man in our dressing room that I wouldn't, you know, love as a, nearly like a brother. And it was very emotional, you know, to get back up. And even thinking back on it, the emotion will die down because we want to finish off the job and, and go well against a very, very fancy Kennedy side in the county final. You know, we're neighbours. Um, there was probably more pressure on Kennedy to deliver and come back up because of them just recently going down. We're down since 2014. Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be 10 years to the day since we won our intermediate county final after getting relegated. So, like, I've played on teams that suffered, you know, the enigmity of relegation and going down. It was a huge emotional day in Bor. Um, we got ourselves back into it with that victory over Kennedy. Another result went our way. You take the look when you get it. But much like us, there was a lot of pressure on Kennedy. Look, we'll preview the final another day, but Kennedy as well, you take your hat off to them. They had a job to do. When you come down, there's a massive target on your back. Much like there was with Sir Kieran, much like there was with Drumcullen, we won in 2010 and came back up. It's a hard job to do. It's because the expectations on you automatically, because Kennedy have been you know, a big traditional team for a long time. They go down to the second flight. The minute they went down, every team would have been licking their lips at the chance of getting a shot at them this year. Absolutely, and it'll be no more than us in the county final with them. Like, you know, I, I socialise in Kennedy quite a bit. There's a lot of crossover. We, we, we Lads that know each other inside out, a lot of the young lads that hang around together. You know, everyone knows everyone now in this day and age with social media and stuff. And you know, when Kennedy went down, there would have been a lot of hurt there. And you know, you, you get it hard from your own supporters too. And you come out in games, and you're all everyone is trying to. It's getting harder for rural clubs to keep things going and uh, keep young lads interested and stuff. And like this is a massive time now for Kennedy. It's a massive time for Drum Cullen. It's exciting times when you're going training. You know, Tuesday, Wednesday nights, the evenings are drawn in, the floodlights are on. All of a sudden, a couple of teas cases of tea and sandwiches come out, and players are hanging on for a chat. And there's more people looking to wash jerseys and get the coveted ticket. You know, and there's been a huge uptake in games. This is what you hurdle for. Look, ten years is a long time. Like Connor Gath, probably our greatest club servant, like Brian Mullins. Started hurling in 1996. He's 40 years of age now. Put in two stellar performances um, to try and drag us back up. It's as he said, like it's 10 years since we were in a county final. And if we don't take this opportunity, who's to say it's not going to be 10 or 20 more? But all we'd hope is that we're after buying our club a bit of time to build. 
even if it happens that we get relegated in a year or two back down to the seville, that we didn't drop any lower because you get one chance in rural clubs to bring on youngsters. Kinnity know that, we know that. But look, the final will take on a life of its own. Um, both teams are up, there's a certain safety net. Both teams after the match will be a bit of respect there and, and we'll celebrate the fact that we're both up. But there'll be a cup up there to be collected on them steps and I know our lads will want it every bit as much as Kennedy. Yeah, well, Kennedy's victory against Claudia Gales, Tullamore's uh, defeat to Drumcullen means Drumcullen against Kennedy is the senior B final, and both Kennedy and Drumcullen will form a new look 10 team championship in the Malloy Environmental Systems Offaly Senior Hurling Championship next season. Just to take a look back on what's happened the weekend just gone by, here's some of the highlights from the two semi finals with thanks to Offaly GA TV. And Joe has also been speaking to Offaly legend, the hero of the 1994 All Ireland final, Johnny Dooley, after yesterday's game between Burr and St. Rhinus. So we now know, Johnny, the lineup of this year's Malay Environmental Systems Offaly Senior Hurling Championship final. Kilcormac Lahey got over Belmont yesterday. Uh, Belmont with a late rally in that game, but a county semi-final here between St. Rhinus and Burr. And just down at home straight, Rhinus took control. Yeah, Rhinus um, pulled out all the stops, showed all their experience when it really mattered. Um, you know, you, you could sense from early on, okay, Boers seemed to have the upper hand in a lot of areas on the field, but when they regrouped for the, for the water break after half time, you could sense from that that period on, the Rhinos really took over that game and, uh, you know, they were, as I said, they were hunting in packs, they were chasing down board, they didn't give them time on the ball and when they were playing it in, actually, probably physically, they were overpowered them as well in crucial crucial positions on the field and uh, they're going to be, they're going to go hard for the final, obviously, as the, as the current champions. The last 10 or 12 years, a lot of county finals have been decided by St. Rhinos and Kilcormick Lahey. They know each other inside out. Rhinos, the current county champions under Ken Hogan, looking to do two in a row, which they found it hard to do. A lot of teams find it hard to do back-to-back -back in awfully a competitive championship and you know Kilcormick will be maybe quietly confident under their new manager Tom Murphy that they've introduced a bit of talent and could be the favourites for the county final Yeah I suppose uh, Rhinus probably being the reigning champions probably will go in po possibly as the slight favourites but there won't be much between them as I was watching the game yesterday with KK and you know they've inter in injected a nice little bit of youth and a bit of freshness into their team and also to have all those experienced guy and the lads on the line as well so both teams actually even St Rhinus have introduced a few new guys in there this year you know Aaron Kinney's in there and, and Luke O'Connor and a few more guys so there's a lot of experience on both teams and I don't think there's going to be a lot between the two teams both teams play a, a similar type of game both teams are fairly physical and uh, you know the, 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 they won't be playing extra defenders or playing any of that sort of thing so I, I think it's going to be a very entertaining final Do you know before the semi-finals were on I was tipping that maybe Boer and even indeed Belmont to a lesser extent might get over the line but St. Rhinus like KK yesterday really managed the game well in the last 15 minutes because you know Belmont maybe weren't as close to KK for large periods yesterday, but Burr led for a long time throughout in this game. Yeah, Burr definitely, yeah. And like it took a lot for St. Rhinus. They just held their time. They didn't panic. They didn't get excited. They knew what they had to do. And that's a great sign of a team. You know, even though early on in the game they knew they weren't playing the way, but that was mainly due to Burr as well. Like I've seen Burr playing Clarine and I've seen them playing Coolery. And like Burr are a lively outfit and there's lots of good young hurlers. And I'm sure their, their day will come as well. You know, they probably need to learn from this and they'll be very disappointed going home tonight. But it was to be St. Rhinus' day and uh, they've used all their. But when you look at the likes of Dermot Horn coming in off the line there and, you know, they've other players coming in and uh, like they have a very strong panel their panel is, is very is, ve is very strong and uh, they have loads of options there you mentioned you know a lot of young players that have loads of days ahead of them but maybe a word to particularly the most experienced man out there Brian Mullins who served Boer so well be no surprise if he comes back next year but if that's to be his final campaign for Boer hurling I think since 1996 at senior level for the club incredible servant to Boer 
Oh, Brian Mullins owes nothing to, to borrow roughly. And, uh, you know, I hurled against him all those years ago, 20 plus years ago. And it, it just, it's, it's credit to the guy that he's still talking out for Bor. And look, he never lets Bor down. Um, you know, he's a solid, uh, steadying influence on the defence and has been for all those years. And uh, I think if whatever his decision is, um, you know, Brian, Brian Mullins is, is, is legendary in Bor. You know, Ken Hogan, since he came in to St. Rhinus last year, they'd been to a few finals, beaten in a few finals up and down. Ken Hogan, a lot of success, uh, with, particularly with Offaly club teams. He's really started to steady that ship with St. Rhinus. They've won one. They're in the final now in two weeks' time. And Joey O'Connor, who a lot was spoken about with his suspension, was out. He comes back and adds a lot of experience and pace to that Rhinus midfield. Yeah, like Ken Hogan's around a long time and he's a very experienced manager and he's going back years and years of managing clubs and county under 21 teams in Tipperary and different things. So, you know, there's, he'll leave no stone unturned and uh, that's very important coming into a final. And you can see with Rhinus, they're playing a very disciplined game of hurling as well and they know what they're about, they know how they want to play the game and, uh, you know, they're playing straight lines, you know, they're not going across the field or going backwards and when they get the ball, they're letting it into where it's going to hurt and uh, I'd expect, um, you know, Ken will have his homework done on KK for the final. Lastly, on the final itself, Kilcormer, Kalahi and St. Rhinus, two hugely experienced teams the last 15 years or so. Kilcormer, Kalahi with more titles, they have four to St. Rhinus' two um, in, in that period. What do you expect in the final? You know, both teams, as we said, carry that experience. They know how to handle these games. The pressure won't get to them. Um, Kilcormer, Kalahi, they have a lot of the older groups still there, a lot of success in that group, but they've introduced the likes of, you know, Lachlan Kavna, Cahill Kiley, um, they've started to slowly step up and, and maybe turn the guard a bit towards Kilcormer, Kalahi. Yeah, yeah, look, I'd expect KK have nothing to lose. You know, they can, they can throw caution to the wind in this final. I think uh, so Rhinos will be the slight favourites and, and that, but everything's there to play for for KK. And, uh, you know, when you look back at Rhinos, you'd nearly assume they'd have more than two titles won. They seem to be around for so long, but they've lost a, f a good number of finals as well before they got to win. So, you know, they'll be a bit edgy as well. And finals are hard won. When you get into a final, they're difficult to win. And, uh, like, it's whichever team on the day shows up. And uh, you have to go and express yourself and want to show what you're, what you're capable of doing and I just have Ryan as a slight favourite but I wouldn't rule out KK because simple reason as you said they have four championships in the bag they have a lot of new guys in even all their young guys are coming in they've won underage titles they're not you know KK are a great club for, for uh, producing good underage squads and they're constantly winning these titles and that's good for confidence as well so they won't be in any way overawed by the occasion even though they'll possibly have five or six new guys but it's what they have on the bench that could, could swing it their way as well so I think it's going to be a very close affair So there we heard from Offaly legend Johnny Dooley on yesterday semi-final we'll now of course hear from Brian Carroll on the other game where he joined me on commentary and of course Brian uh, a founder of a Hurler's Life podcast which is back out this weekend with Eddie Brennan of course Brian a pioneer in the podcast industry we've probably learned a lot from Brian and will you hear his thoughts now well, we're joined now by Brian Carl, former Offaly hurling captain. And also, Brian, you're about to embark on the second season of your own podcast, A Hurler's Life. And I think the first pod is dropping this week, Brian. Oh, yeah, look, thanks for, for giving me the nod there, yeah. Um, season two starts Wednesday. So we're starting with Eddie Brennan. Um, brilliant interview, I have to say, to get, get the season up and running. So really looking forward to that. Um, one slight change up in it. Probably just going to release every two weeks. So that should see six episodes this side of Christmas and six episodes afterwards so 12 for the full season so yeah look really looking forward to it again and there was a great feedback and a great uptake for the first season and um, you know it's a it's something that I've great passion in and got real enjoyment out of it on a very personal level so um, you know every time I, I chat with some of these hurlers about you know their careers or whatever um, it, it's just really enjoyable and I suppose that's that should be your first point 
when you're starting into these things. Well, thanks a lot, Brian, for putting pressure on to us for perhaps <laughs> very uh, sillily agreeing to do a podcast every week. And you're going, I'll put one out every two weeks. I won't put the pressure on myself quite as much as season one. <laughs> I, I, learned, I learned from season one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you must have been happy enough, though, with how it was received. I mean, it went uh, top of the podcast networks in the first few weeks when you brought out season one. Uh, really good feedback from it, too. Uh, did you get that kind of enjoyment? Because I presume when you dip your toe into this, it's a little bit risky because I know people will know you as a former hurler and so on, but you're still putting yourself out there as the host of your own show here. This is a one-man vehicle. Yeah, that's exactly what my wife was saying. Um, you know, she had that fear as well. But look, I just I just said I'd give it a try. That's the truth. Uh, listen, I said this before. I, I listened to Jamie Carragher's podcast, The Greatest Game. I'm a big Liverpool fan myself, but um, just I just really enjoyed his his um, interviews and the medium that it was, you know, former player interviewing players he played with or against. And uh, I suppose I just said to myself, look, give it a go. And uh, if people listen, great. And I, I, you know, I thought to myself, if I get a couple of thousand people listening, great, I'll keep going. And, you know, I suppose it just exploded. You know, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, Anthony Daly's up there around 15,000 listens at the moment. And... Uh, most of them are up, you know, close to 10,000 or over. So, you know, it, it's been fantastic. I, I didn't expect anything like that. And uh, I said I'd try maybe three or four, and if they went well, we'd keep going. So that's exactly what's happened. Uh, there you go. No pressure for Joe and I in our own podcast. We talked to Brian <laughs> after those numbers he achieved in season one. Uh, you were with Joe on Saturday, Brian, for the first of semifinals, both on Offaly GA TV and also a Midlands 103. And in the end, uh, Kilcormac saw off uh, Belmont, who stuck in it right till the end. But uh, Kilcormac just seemed to have that little bit of kind of extra nous to get out and get themselves back into a county final again. Yeah, look, they were cruising maybe for a large part of that game, maybe from the first water break right through to maybe the 57th minute, I think it was, when that Matt Carroll scored a, a wonder goal, to be fair to him, a brilliant finish into the top corner. Not in corner, Slevin could do about that. So I just thought um, Kilcormick, Clotty's experience, their their strength, um, all, you know, physical strength all over the field, the go-to players, um, you know, and we know most of them. You know, you have Damien Kilmartin Hall and centre back. Jordan Quinn probably was the real guy that um, took the mantle of that full back place where obviously Jordan Healing used to be for the last couple of years. Cottle Kiley, to me, gave a man the match um, performance the other day. I know he hit his freeze really well, but he really stood up in that second half, um, won some hard ball, you know, distributed just just really well, set up a couple of scores, and then got a brilliant score when after Belmont scored that goal. So, um, you know, they, they have experience as well. Obviously, Jordan Healing had to come in. Kieran Slevin started this time. Peter Garrity had to come in. Um, you know, but they're also after, you know, blooding in a couple of younger players. You know, Jack Screeny, I thought was excellent. I thought his interception on David Kenny, I know people were calling for free, but I just thought it was a brilliant interception. The, the half forward tracking back the way the modern game has gone. What you'd expect out of him. You know, I said it the other day live in commentary. That I thought it was very like Tom Morrissey and Limerick, the way he tracked back and one ball deep. And, uh, you know, he played that ball up the field and eventually Tommy Garrity won a penalty. You know, that was probably the, the final nail in the coffin from a Belmont perspective. But, you know, yeah, look, to some credit to Belmont, they didn't give it up. Um, they stayed at it, but they will be disappointed. Particularly in the first half, they missed a lot of easy scoring chances. Um, David Nally was excellent in that first half. You know, he got he got three or four points in play in that first half and, and won a couple of frees, which he scored himself. But, uh, you know... Even himself, he had one or two wides, and 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 the rest of them had had simple chances. You know, Joe Mar missing a chance at twenty five or twenty five yards out, wishing Kelly with a couple of misses off his favourite left hand side. So, you know, you can see why they would be disappointed overall with their performance. 
I wonder, will it start to get into Belmont's head a little bit too, Brian, that now this is four years in a row that they've gone to semi-finals, not been a huge distance away from getting to the final, particularly the one-point defeats they have in recent seasons. I got the feeling this year, particularly after the disappointment for their footballers the week before, there was a real drive from Belmont to try and get to the final this year. Yeah, but therein lies the problem of being a dual club when they lose two of their full back line. You know, David Kelly in particular is a big loss and um, James Nally then as well. You know, the, the losing the two of them was a big blow. You know, no club has them, you know, has that strength and depth that you're able to go and lose such two two key, you know, starting 15 um, to, to set them up into, into the hurling then the week after. So that's really, you know, that was a cruel blow. That meant that David Kenny had to start. You know, whereas David obviously usually was coming into games and bringing in his experience, scored a big goal against Sharon um, when he came on in that game. And, you know, instead he was starting, you know, was only able to see out 45 minutes. And, you know, fair play to him. He came off to, a, you know, a rousing ovation from Belmont and only rightly so because he's been, he's been a great stalwart for Belmont. And, you know, he's had, we all know about his knee trouble over the last couple of years. It's even a wonder that he's even still playing. So credit to him from that perspective. So that was the knock-on effect that losing those two players had. And, you know, it, it's not easy uh, for Belmont when you're trying to make that breakthrough. And, you know, as you said, uh, you know, it, it can be hard. You know, that's four in a row. People will say it's a mental block. I don't think so, being honest. I, I think it was much more in terms of the personnel that they had in the field and the fact that they probably just didn't have that strength and depth added to the, the fact that they missed so many chances. And when O'Shane Kelly only scores a point from play, invariably, that usually means that Belmont won't win these tight games. Was that down to Ushin Kelly's own performance or was Ushin Kelly particularly well-marshaled at the weekend, Brian? Uh, look, it probably, you know, well-marshaled is probably a bit harsh. Like, he had a couple of points scoring opportunities in the first half. Um, you know, and, and, you know, you would have said that he was up and running and he scored a brilliant point late on. Um, so, you know, he had ball, but I suppose it comes back to the fact that Kilcormick Kalati got a grip in the game after that first water break. You know, it went from being three points up to being, I think it was seven up at half time, you know, 15, eight. And then they just, they just took control. And I suppose in the second half, the Kilcormick Halati's backs just sat back, you know, that half pack line in particular, they knew exactly what to add. There was a, a good few occasions where this, all six of them were inside the D. Damien Kilmartin's a, a master that just completely sitting outside the 21. Kevin Grogan intercepted a couple of balls as well. Um, in, in when the ball was played dangerously across the 21. So they knew exactly what they want. There was absolutely no space up front for that and um, from, from a Belmont perspective. And, you know, they, were, they weren't really able to get Ushin uh, onto the ball. And, you know, it, it was Robin Peter to pay Paul when they did bring him out because, you know, he's, the only point he scored was from maybe the middle of the field. Um, it was a brilliant score, but, you know, it was too little and it was too late at that particular stage. Yeah, it sounds like classic KK being good at kind of managing that space in front of their own goal. Is there a slight freshness about KK this year as well, though, given that they've had a change of management? As you mentioned, some of their players that are coming through the 20s team over the last couple of years are now settling in as senior players. And those who would have been on the All-Ireland club final team now have different roles and guys like Jericho coming off the bench. Is there kind of a new feel about Kilcormick Kalahi or is this a similar template to what you would have seen when they got to the county final two years ago? I think they've managed the transition really well of, of those older players, you know, that, that they still have a role, you know, albeit if they're starting, um, you know, they know that they're not going to finish out the 60 minutes or, or vice versa, if they know they're coming on, that they're coming on to do a job and, and they've blooded in the youngsters, you know, and like, look, you know, Jack Sweeney's first year, maybe Lachlan Cavan is there, thereabouts for the last um, couple of years. So like these guys have got their opportunity this year and, and they were given those, suppose, those group stages, um, the group, the group games to, to try and, 
um, cement their place and, and learn the system, I suppose, from Tikar McClay. You're right, they haven't really changed how they go about the business. And, and why should they? Because it's been very, very successful for them over the last decade or so. So um, they know exactly what they're, they're about. You know, big, strong, physical, particularly down the centre. Um, their, their, their back line, you know, keeps it very, very tight. They have a dynamic midfield. Um, Dylan Murray and Keelan Kiley, obviously, you know, but I suppose Dylan Murray would have to up his performance. David Nally definitely troubled him for, for most of that game the last day. Keelan Kiley showed his class at times and then showed, um, you know, really what he needs to eradicate from his game, getting caught up and getting a second yellow card. I think the first one in particular was very soft. I think he, mm. he had a big hit on Aaron Brazel, I think it was. Um, I didn't think it was a yellow card at the time. Um, I didn't see a replay now, but from, from watching it live, I didn't think it was a yellow card. But then he got caught up, you know, running after one of the cornerbacks, um, you know, trying to get involved in things. Could have got a second yellow there and then eventually got a, a silly second yellow from his perspective. To, to you know receive his marching orders and look it, it didn't matter for a finish and he will be able to play in the final but he really does need to eradicate, eradicate that from his game because he, he's better than that and I said that the other day and um, you know when, when, when you look at the fact that when Belmont scored that goal it just made that work a little bit harder for Cormac Lottie going down the home stretch you know being down to 14. Yeah look we know all about Keelan's talent but the risk for him is if the reputation persists that he might lose the head or he could potentially get himself sent off, you're going to have players who are going to try and wind him up during games and they're going to try and get him involved in things, aren't they? Yeah, well, look, I don't know. I'm not that type of player, so I suppose I can't really comment on that. Um, but what, what I will say is sometimes they get soft yellow cards. You know, I see the same happening, Kevin Brady, from, from a Coleri perspective. There's times when other players will pull similar, we'll call it strokes or, or pull hard or, you know, in, infringements or whatever and, and it's let go. But when, you know, when you get that name for for that type of player, Keelan Kiley's one of those players, he'll pick up those yellows, the same as Kevin Brady. And I think, you know, sometimes your reputation precedes you. So, uh, but I think the, still the onus on him to eradicate the, the silly ones that he got involved in towards the end. Self and Joe were kind of saying on the radio a couple of weeks ago, uh, one thing I've noticed from KK, and I'll admit I haven't got to any of their games, but I've watched some of them on streams, they seem to have just gone about their business in a very workmanlike way so far. Weren't really troubled too hard in their group games. Uh, came through without doing anything huge, like in running off massive wins, but winning their games. And they've now beaten Belmont in the semi-final. Really going into a county final, KK have done very little wrong so far this year, Brian. No, sure. Look, at the end of the day, uh, the two teams that are in the final are, are unbeaten. And obviously, Keith are, are that way as well. Borg troubled them for, for 45 minutes. You know, they really did. That water break came suppose just around the right time for a KK perspective and they brought on their strength and depth that day you know Joe Healy and um, it was uh, Kieran Slevin and only for Breeder and the goal they could have won that game quite comfortably um, against against those in Kuleri in that second game they were again they were in took control after the first water break complete control went seven up at half time but I suppose we just found a way we got a maybe a soft goal but we found our way back into that game and, and we could have snuck something out of it but you know, still KK, you know, they did enough, as you said. Um, but what they were doing, as I said already, in those couple of games, is they're blooding those youngsters, getting them used to the system, and they've just been improving game on game. Clarine game, I suppose, it was just a shot at nothing from a Syracuse perspective, and, you know, they equipped themselves really, really well, and just, I suppose, ran, ran, you know, just a bit short in the end. And uh, as I said, I just don't, I, 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 I didn't fancy Belmont going into that game. I know a lot of people did. Um, I called it beforehand. I, I thought KK would have the experience, and I thought they'd have the firepower, firepower at both ends of the field. Um, well, you mentioned to see, see them through it. 
You mentioned Burr fading out after the water break in the first group game. Again, faded after the water break in the semi-final yesterday against St. Rhinus. Uh, Rhinus outscoring them by 1-3 in the closing stages of the game. Good finish from the uh, defending county champions. But I'm sure that's what's going to annoy Barry Whelahan when he thinks about that game this week and the rest of the Burr team is that they were in a good position again at halftime, not quite as strong as they were in the county final last year, but the scores eventually dried up in the game like they did in the final 11 months previously. Yeah, it seems to be a running team for Burren. It is frustrating from their perspective. Um, and when I thought Ben Keneally was moved over to Morgan Watkins, you know, because Morgan started really, really well, troubled Stephen Wynn a lot. Maybe he got a point from play, but won a couple of frees and set up a couple of scores as well. So um, I thought when Ben moved over and quieted him, uh, you know, the scores from Burr seemed to dry up. They only got four points in play over the whole hour. So that's not going to win you a semi-final. You know, Owen Cal was... He was off target with a couple of frees. There was a couple of really difficult ones, but then he'll be annoyed at himself. Maybe his very first free at the start of the game and that 65, that whole passage of play was a big moment in the game. You know, you had nine lines uh, bearing down on goal. I thought he did really well to avoid the hook from Ben Keneally. You know, he fainted, threw it up and just brought it back on the hurl. And Colin, Colin, or Conor Clancy came out and smothered him, you know, and, and it was unlucky from nine lines perspective. Um, went out for the 65, then Oshin misses that. Or, or sorry, um, Cal missed oh, yeah. that, and you, you'd, you'd expect him to score that, you know, especially the form that he's been in for the last couple of years. And down the other end, then you know, Breeder gives away a free, a borderline one, you know, it could have been given, could have been just as easily given as a free out for being bottled up, whereas he was done for over carrying, and it was a tap over free. So instead of being best case scenario, six points up for Burr, um, you know. Definitely should have been four. It ended up being two points only and, you know, Ryan to start their comeback. So I think that was a big, big moment in the game. Yeah, and I think in fairness to Owen Cal, who is going to still be without playing in the final, they're thereabouts as top scorer in the county for the year, given the scoring that he's done. He has a great weight of expectation in terms of the volume of scores he has to put compared to the forwards around him. It's uh, That's big pressure on a young man to have to hit every free over pretty much and to carry as much of a scoring burden as he does on that bird team. Yeah, but look, that's that's what he's cut himself out for. And if he's going to be one of the best uh, forwards in the county and he's taking the freeze with the county at the moment, that's the pressure that he has to expect, you know. And uh, he, he is able to carry that pressure and he's going to have to learn. And, and look, I think it was just one of those days he missed a couple of freeze. It happens is all. It's happened everyone down, down through the years in the game. And, um, you know, he, he should learn from it and be better for it and, and back himself probably. Um you know, so he, look, he, he has the talent. There, there's no doubt about it. It just was one of those days for him. And you know, he still he still hurled reasonably well. He still he, he got a brilliant point from playing that first half over his over his left shoulder right out on the terrace side. Um, a great score. So look, it's probably a little bit harsh to 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 just be talking about Owen Cal and, and the ones he missed because you know Burr missed a lot of opportunities. You know, there was some real easy point scoring opportunities that were missed. Um, you know, Colin Maloney, I think in the first half missed one straight in front of the goal. Stephen Lonergan had a couple of shots. Maybe they weren't on from Stephen. He maybe probably should have been known to to play the ball around. But I suppose when expect to score them as well. And you know, Shawnee. Shawnee hurled a lot of ball in the middle field, probably hurled the most amount of ball um, of the four midfielders, but, uh, you know, his radar was just a little bit off, missed an easy enough chance in the first half and then a couple dropped short in the second half. So, you know, you can see why Burr are kicking themselves. Yeah, look, 15 wides, you're not going to win a game if you have that kind of scoring conversion rate. In particular problem in the second half when the wides started to count up at a time that Ryan has started to uh, get crucial scores at crucial times. And you talk about players who have an impact from the bench. Ryan has found a really good way of using Dermot Horn over the last couple of years. They certainly have. And look, 
you know, I was just I was just thinking about his his goal. Like I would say most players in that position tapped that ball over the bar. You know, there was two points in it, it would have put put Rhinus three up and, and instead he just decided to carry it and it looked like he ran into trouble. It was actually a poor pass because he just kind of half flicked it off the hurl. And I thought it was brilliant control from Aaron Kenny to, to take it on the hurl and in the one movement, you know, doubled on it into the net. It was it was a brilliant finish because he had a bit of work to do because that ball was was played to his feet as opposed to his hand. So um, I thought it was a great finish. But still, as I said, Dermot Horn did really well and showed that little bit of, uh, you know, the experience and that little bit of drive really to just to go straight at the goal and, go, and take the, the game by the, by, the, by the horns, I suppose. Uh, he missed an easy chance himself. You know, after that, I think it was, uh, he, he'd be kicking himself. You know, he, he did really well out in front of Dylan Watkins and he really troubled Dylan Watkins. Um, when he when he came in full forward, but look, I suppose you have to give Rhinus credit. They have, you know, they have a lot of experience on that team. The players now that have maybe lost three or four county finals, and they've won two, so they've 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 played in big games a lot down through their career. And you know, when you add in someone as as good a talent as Ben Keneally um, in, in your defence, and you can play in any of the six positions or midfield, you know, you yeah you have the the best defender in Offaly, and he can go on any danger man that's causing any trouble. And we've seen them do that over the last couple of years. Um, but they have a lot of other experience, obviously Pat Cam and you know Gary Keneally, Stephen Wynn, and uh, you know I suppose like Rhinus, they or like Kilcornock they have you know brought on a couple of players you know you see Luke O'Connor starting to, to make his way at senior level obviously Aaron Kenny's going into an even better senior hurler as, as it goes on and you know they've made changes from their team last year as well and starting to maybe look at the future and, and, and where that can actually go for them Matthew Maloney man in the centre half back position um, you know quite solid there as well uh, got a great long range point too so you know Rhinus as I said have a lot of experience but the probably the big thing you know the big talking point for me going into this county final um, if, if we were to just quickly mm. preview it would be the fact that Rhinus have not beaten Kuleri or Kilcormick in a county final um, you know this particular team I'm talking about yeah, yeah. the two county finals that they won were against Burr um, and that's no disrespect to Burr it's just obviously Kilcormick Kalati and, and Kuleri are, have been the form teams over the last decade they've both won four titles each um, so you, you know this is the opportunity from a Rhinus perspective it, for me, this will, um, it, it's almost their, their calling game now. You know, if they mm. want to really be held up in high regard for what this team is capable of doing, I think they need to win this county final because they need to beat someone like Kilcormick Halati or Kuleri in a county final. I'm sure as a player, it would always be that doubt in the back of your mind. Despite what you've won, a lot of this group of St. Rhinus players have tasted defeat to KK in three county final days. Yeah, and, and lost to us in 2015 as mm. well. So, you know, like that has to has to eat away at them. You know, there was a couple of those finals maybe when they were a little bit younger and more naive that they turned up and thought, you know, they were the, the farm team in the championship and KKF just stuttered and found their way into a county final, but they, they knew what how to do the business on the day and that's exactly what they did, but they probably bullied St. Rhinus. The only thing I'll say is St. Rhinus are a lot more seasoned team and we have to give them a bit more credit for that. And um, I think this year and last year when the bullying was to be done, the day we're doing it, so I think it lends itself to a to an excellent county final. I think, you know, as I said, it might sound harsh, but I think the onus is on Rhinus to go and win this. They, to, for me to cement their their legacy um, as a as a really really good St. Rhinus team. You know, I think they have to they have to beat KK in this final. Yes, and earlier, of course, as we are here to preview Road and Tullamore in this weekend's Offaly Senior Football Final, we also spoke to Tullamore manager Niall Stack across the road in O'Brien Park in their recently developed gym. 
is it one at the start of the year you maybe envisage getting to? Because when you came in and got this job, you would have been looking at introducing a lot of youngsters there. You knew you had experience maybe to move on as well and lads to know their roles. Has it been difficult, number one? And two, has the county final came as a huge bonus to um, I suppose getting this job, Joe, I would have uh, always had ambition, I suppose, uh, to win a county final. Uh, with the whole COVID situation and stuff like that, yeah, I, I, I did feel a bit aggrieved we got no league and I thought it would take longer than what it took, um, I suppose, to get to a county final now. I thought it would just take a lot more games as opposed to um, the actual season. I thought we would get to one this season and even possibly win one. Um, I've always thought as a player with Tullamore, I suppose, and I, I think I couldn't change that mindset going as a, in as manager. Um, I, I don't know what the second part was. What was the second part? Just, I suppose when you're looking at a lot of young players you would have came in with, you would have seen come up along through the ranks. You know, they have had very, very good minor and successful minor teams the last few years. Integrating them into a squad with a lot of established lads, was it hard to find a balance? Um, no, I, I didn't think it was. Like, um, I suppose these younger lads just have such belief uh, in themselves and the older lads are just such good leaders. Like, we have a... We have a base of players that are at inter-county level for a while, you know, in terms of Johnny Maloney, Mickey Brazel, Decky Hogan, Nigel Bracken, Paul McComba. And um, they're great at bringing young lads on. And to be honest, the self-belief of the young lads themselves, they just believe that they belong at this standard and, you know, county finals where they expect to be, to be honest. There's always that, I won't say a myth, but there's always that fear when Tullamore gets to a knockout stage around the county, it kind of reverberates around it. Once they get to it, they're very, very hard beaten in the semi-final or final. Was that a confidence just eeks through your squad once you managed to get out of the group? Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's in uh, every Tullamore player's DNA, every every club member's uh, DNA in this club. Um, we believe that at any given time we can win a championship. Um, I suppose even when I first started off, I played in 98. One game we were knocked out in 99. One game we were knocked out in the 2000, we won a championship. Um and the same 2002, we were beaten in, in group games, in my experience, and we won it. Uh, 2007, we were beaten in a group game, we won it. In 2013, we were famously beaten by Road well, um, and we managed to beat them in a final. Now, uh, it, wouldn't, it would, wouldn't be fair to say, like, Road have dominated um, for the last, I don't know how many years, Alan McNamee's Hall of Titles alone will tell you how much they've dominated, but... Um, yeah, on any given day, we definitely believe we can. Um, we definitely believe it's in our own control. Um, to make sure that road don't perform and that we do. So, um, yeah, I think I, I, th I did have a genuine belief that we could win the championship this year. The year itself probably, look, a strange year by all accounts, no matter whether it's, it's senior football or junior hurling or underage, it's been a strange year. But everyone still knew there was going to be some form of a championship. The opening round of feet to Cap and Cor probably sharpened minds that bit more because it was a game that was in the melting pot. Cap and Cor were always going to be up for the local derby. The way the group worked out, it turned to be dog-eat-dog. You probably had the toughest group in the championship. Was that defeat maybe a springboard to maybe, you know, get that monkey off the back, get the commitment levels up and realise we're back in championship mode here now? Yeah, I suppose that's one way of looking at it. Um, I felt in the actual game itself, just to go back to the Cap and Curl game, I felt we were, we left a lot of goals behind us. Um, now, that's not taking anything away from Cap and Curl. Because to be honest, you when the game was in the melting pot and there to be won, they went and won it. I have no qualms uh, about that, and I, and I admire them as a club. To be honest, um, and they've good players like I had Bill Carroll in the school there, and for me, he's inter-county standard. I watched a video of him against Clare as well. He's been outstanding. I think he's definitely someone that John Mahon should look at. Um, but did it sharpen the minds? I think it did. To be honest, uh, I know myself. I didn't sleep probably for two weeks after the game. It just uh, there was huge pressure. In our group, I think there was a pressure of expectation as opposed to um, 
not working hard enough. I think we were working hard enough, but I think there was a bit of a burden on this team that just felt uh, a weight of expectation on them. I think they carried it last year as well. It's not that they didn't have, they had a really good management in John Rose and the lads last year. I'd known him very well. I worked with John. I just think uh, among the players themselves, they nearly almost wanted it too much. They were carrying that expectation. They were tying up a bit. Um, so in terms of monkey out the back, yeah, I think it took the pressure off them to go out and just play road. There's no expectation. We played quite well. Aaron Levy got sent off. Things didn't go away. Road were exceptionally, um, they were ex- exceptionally, um, I don't know how you'd put it, they just put us away, like, you know. Um, but the Clara game, definitely our minds were sharpened to that. I felt getting up that morning, we were going to, um, we had a real good chance of beating Clara and beating them well, if I, if I to be honest, haven't done my analysis. Captain Kurt should have beaten Clara well. Uh, I admire Mark Scanlon and uh, Tony Dalton are doing over there. Like they're, they're blood and young lads. Um, it didn't pay off for them. I think if they had a league campaign, to be honest, uh, they wouldn't be relegated. And I'd have a strong opinion on relegation this year. Um, even though I'm looking now at the other end, I think it's very unfair on Clara um, that they're relegated. And that's coming from a Tullamore man. They'd be our biggest rivals. But I just know myself, we, we were staring at... Um, we were staring down the throat of relegation and I, I just don't think it's fair having had no league campaign. That's my own opinion. I don't know. It's probably a town, as you said, there's always is the weight of expectation, be it football or hurling. You know, and I know you're having a massive crossover dual players, but look, the bulk of this interview will probably be played after the weekend with the hurling. Obviously, as a drum caller man, I'd be hoping the Tullamore aren't in a hurling final the following week, but like we'll talk with that another day. But even in the hurling in the football, there is pressure on Tullamore to deliver. They're such a big town, they're steeped in GA history, you know, they're second in the role of honour, probably something is always in the back of Tullamore players' minds to cr- take that back off road in time, you know. But going to the, I suppose, the semi-final knockouts itself, for, you know, the general view was for large parts of that game, Tullamore were in control. It was a case of Forban having to play the catch-up. Obviously, we know the drama that happened after, but about the game itself, it probably showed then that there was a different mindset and, you know, Tullamore realised we're in knockout mode now and they probably managed that game very well. Yeah, I, I think we managed it very well, um, looking back at it, Joe. Um, I mean, um, I think for a large part, we controlled the game. I'm after looking back at the stats of it there... Um, our possession rates were, were massive, you know, and our possession rates were quite good against road as well, to be honest, but um, they were so just so slick. Um, taking nothing away from Fabana, I, I think we should have won that game by four or five points, to be honest, in normal time. Um, that's just, if we had to put our chances away, and I don't think road will give us that chance. If we're not as slick uh, as they are, or a little bit slicker than what we were against Fabana, I, I don't think we'll beat road. I suppose we'll have to touch on the penalties. Look, a strange situation for, for both managers, both Sean Dempsey and yourself. It was new, it was historical, but there was still that expectation to deliver because there was going to be no sympathy if you're the team to lose on the day. Yeah, it's, um, it was fu- uh, well, it's funny now, I suppose, for me, but uh, looking back at it, I actually looked when Johnny Maloney missed his penalty and all I could think about, I suppose, a bit selfishly, was about how unfair it was, you know, how well we'd played and everything else. And within a few minutes... Forban had lost, and I mean it genuinely. I, I actually I didn't go near my players after they went straight to the Forban camp. I just felt so sorry for them because it it was a really cruel way to go out. Um, maybe now I can't believe it, but I'm kind of empathetic to other managers. I'm starting to notice and other people's situations, and um, I just think a replay would have been the fairest result. But look, it was history. Um, it was very unusual thing to be involved with uh, in, um, but it's done now. You know, we just all eyes on the road now. Yeah, and as you said it would have been the cruelest of blows had Johnny Maloney's penalty been the one to suffer because I think coming out of that game, 
you know, the world around the place was Johnny Maloney scarcely deserved to be on the losing side. He was that good. And, you know, characters like Johnny, they've just reinvigorated this club because he's been massive for Tullamore this year. Yeah, Johnny was really good. A lot of people have opinion on where he should play, including Johnny. Um, I just think he's he's a very powerful player. Um, he has, he sets huge high standards for himself. Um, I know in, in among the Offaly dressing room, having talked to a couple of people at Hurling Clubs, actually I helped last year, they were telling me, you know, just how revered he is in there, how high standards he sets for himself. Um, you know, but uh, didn't surprise me at all how well he played the other day. I, I think he's a big, powerful man. I think he's someone with huge pace. I think he's an inside forward all day, personally. Although I know we have a lot of young lads coming, like the likes of Jack Bryant, the two Keens, uh, Luke Egan, maybe in years to come. Like I, I, As a county, we're starting to produce a few. Um, but his power is something I haven't seen uh, all that often. Like um, I did a bit of work with Tipperary, and Mikey Quinlan would have similar power. Um and Johnny's just now getting to the pitch of where he should be fitness-wise. He hadn't his fitness right until now. Now he's right fitness-wise, so he can affect the middle eight, he can affect the inside line, you know. And, um, for me, he's an inside forward all along, but he's been a huge, he's been a revelation for us and a good, good leader. I suppose you'll probably just look at your own performance. Would you take great heart away the Eden Derry set up against Road because they took it to Road from the word go and I was on co-commentary with John Motten and he would have said you know this is Road's game seven eight points Eden Derry didn't read the script and they went with total abandon you have a lot of players obviously now playing in their first final and going to the game itself you're playing a Road team who were probably wounded from last year but also you'd see that they can be beaten on this day too yeah um We'll have a plan for them. Um, I'm not so sure we'd, we'd go the same way as Eden Derry. I won't lie to you, I haven't seen the Eden Derry game yet. I heard it on the radio. I was going out to um, another match. But um, we're not physically very well developed around the pitch as, as a result of our age profile. Um, as I said to you, they're very slick. They're very well physically developed everywhere. You know, Even age-wise, just naturally, they're that bit uh, more developed. But um, our lads don't lack guts. And um, I played... I think nearly 20 players the other day, I'd be looking at playing the same amount and just getting everything out of them if we are to try and match road. 2013, a long time for the town not to be in the final here. The same opposition that day was road when you were victorious. Lo loads of times people go away and manage different clubs, get experience. You're a relatively young manager. To manage your own club, a club that you've been so successful at as a, as a player, what would it mean to bring the Dowling Cup back here you know, on sun next Sunday evening? I'd mean everything, Joe, yeah. It'd mean absolutely everything. It just... Um, for me, even though we're a town club, there's uh, we're, there's a real sense of community and country feel about this club. Um, you know, we're kind of we play against the odds a lot of the time when we win things. We're very tight. Um, in my time, you nearly have to be from this side of Quebec and Bridge to play. Now it's stretched out among the town, which is a great thing. But uh, we're very cohesive. We're very tight. Uh, I know that brings its own problems because we fall out probably at times as a result of it. But it's always you know you're falling out in terms of trying to get. Uh, everybody to the one goal of winning a championship. It's not for personal reasons, you know. Um, it just mean everything to me as uh, Tullamore man to win this championship. And you know, when you come back in around the town, you know, you were away working today, you were away working, you come back in, you start to see the blue and white flags up and, you know, you can see it on the social media to try and get the colour back out. You get that buzz coming into this time of year that the county final is back and maybe, you know, for the likes of Paul McCormick, the likes of Shane Dooley, I'll know they haven't too many more chances. They've obviously played with you over the years. They've been successful. Does that bring more pressure on the leaders or is that something that they relish in? No, it's definitely something they relish in. Uh, they're greedy, like anybody uh, playing at this level. You know, they're putting far too much into it. Um, 
all these lads all their lives. Like they live and breed like county footballers. This is most club footballers. So, I mean, no, they'll just relish in it. Like, I suppose we've stared relegation, um, and we haven't gone there. We've stared being third. We haven't gone there. We were stared being knocked out in semi final stage. We haven't gone there. So we know we're very lucky to be where we are, and we're going to take full advantage. Of it. Please God, and just play as hard as we can. And lastly, you know, when the county final is won or lost, it all settles down. It's something you touched on there and something I spoke to John Watton about. There's an awful lot of shoots of optimism in terms of Offaly football. You know, you mentioned a couple of the players there. You looked at, you know, Keane Farrell and Rory Egan there with Eden Derry. You mentioned a couple of the Shamrocks boys, the Tullamore lads. A lot of lads you would have worked with, of course, in Colosh to Column here. I think we can be negative in times in Offaly in both hurling and football about where we are and where we want to be and maybe how quick we want to make that leap. There's a lot of green shoots starting to appear there now again. Yeah, most certainly, Joe. I'm not too familiar with the hurling, to be honest. Uh, I know a huge work has gone in, and uh, in around here in particular, through what went on in the school, I can see Claude Gales have benefited uh, hugely, you know, with a young side. Uh, Balnamir Doro have more than shown how their senior standard. I hope, uh, nothing against yourself, Ren, but I hope Tullamore get back to that side. It's no longer stopped at the blue ball, hurling. Um, in terms of football, yeah, working with Claude uh, Cullum. I, I can just see a huge amount of talent here. I, I think we have as much talent as any other county in the country, and I really mean that. Um, I think it's how we, um, as a county and as, as, as a group of players, I suppose, when you get involved with them, you know, the like of John Mahon sees. The football group I know in particular are a very focused group. Um, I think they've underachieved, if I'm to be honest. I think they're just as talented as any other county in Division 3, lower Division 2. Um, and I think, you know... They are starting to believe it, and they're starting to get um, Nike forwards that we haven't had since Tom O'Dean or Niall McNamee. Um, I think, you know, you look at the Keens that are coming, you look at Luke Egan, Jack Bryant, uh, these kind of lads, even Morgan Tynan out there in Balnagar, he's very good. I think there's a, there is fellas coming like that could easily, you know, push awfully into... Upper Division 2, Division 1, who knows, you know. Offaly and Tullamore's long-serving stall where Paul McConway speaks about his 14-month injury hell and also his thoughts about what Tullamore can bring to this Sunday's final. A lot of youngsters coming through that you knew, a lot of lads at the twilight of their career maybe moving on to an extent, and it was kind of a transitional period. I think the momentum started to build after that first game, you know, you had a hard start, but it really started to come together as the lads were blooded in. Yeah, look, I suppose, um, in fairness to the management there, they went with youth um, and looked to stuck with them from the first game. You know, it didn't go our way, but, um, you know, I think Johnny Maloney said it during the week that Calvin Curry are actually a decent team as well. So we were up against it, um, didn't get the result we wanted, but in fairness to the management, they stuck with the young lads, even going to the road. Um, again, it wasn't our best performance, but I think the young lads are actually learning um, as every year goes, or as every game goes on. Um, and I think they're just phenomenal since Clara and for bank, for bank games, you know, they've really come to age. And it's probably something that the management has to be credited for, that they didn't panic because you go against youngsters, they're facing off ominously against Road after an opening day defeat and knowing they have to get a result against Clara. It was a case of them maybe developing that bit quicker, which is now going to be successful for you. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose the, the, the easy thing is to revert the type, you know, and go back to what you know. Um, but look, I think them first couple of games actually really stood to them lads um, because they've grown and look, they're incredible young lads. Um, they're drawn the back, I suppose, a lot of them won a school's title this year as well. Um, so they're just mad to learn, keen to develop, you know. Um, and they're actually, for me, you know, I suppose I'm coming towards the latter end of a career and it's just great um, just being around them, you know, and their enthusiasm um, and their willingness to learn is fantastic. 
It's probably been a hard road for you in terms of the injuries you had to come back from and stay working towards. You know, Shane didn't feature at the very start against Captain Cor in the first game. He's been got back into the fold. He had his own injury problems coming off the back of the Alfie hurlers as well. And probably the young lads, if I interview them now, would say that the experience that they've been able to impart off you has been huge for them as well. Yeah, I suppose it's been a difficult 14 months, I suppose, personally, more than anything. Um, and in many ways, you kind of feel a bit of a fraud, you know, because they're not putting in the hard yards. Um, difficult, as I said, difficult first two games there on the back of the two losses. Um, but look, they stuck with it, and sure, I suppose for me, all he could do was kind of look on. Um, then they turned around against Clara, and, you know, it's a great performance against Clara. Um, and I think it's a game where they really come of age, you know. Um, so for me, it's, it's yeah, I suppose it's more of a bit of guilt and you're, you're, you're going straight into a semi-final and you feel that, you know, the lads that got you there in the first place, you know, it's them deserve all the credit and it is backbone with them young lads. Yeah, but I think now, Paul, to be fair, there's a certain amount of money in the bank in terms of what you put in up to now. So I don't think it's a, it's a thing of feeling too guilty. I can see where you're coming from, but the experience would have... So took Ian Goodstead against Forban because Forban coming in as county champions a lot of people would have said outside the county that you know Tullamore now we're in a knockout stage you're going to be a different proposition and as, as I said tonight I would have felt for large parts of that game you probably controlled it and maybe should have even won it in normal time yeah, look, I thought we were actually very good against Verban. Um, and as you say, we just couldn't put them away. But again, Verban, they were never going to just disappear either, you know. And, uh, you know, an awful lot of credit goes to them because they did, just didn't give in. Um, There's times actually, you know, what an injury, t- a normal time and an extra time where I think we're two points up and you think we have a one and just kept coming back and kept coming back. But look, um, we have fantastic footballers in our, in our squad. And I think some of the older lads that like the Johnny Maloney and Brazil and Declan Hogan and even Aaron Levy as well they're, they're really stood up as well you know and um, look just got us over the line you know some fantastic scores but as you say it went down to the wire against Fraban and hopefully that'll stand as well against Roden two weeks or next week For large parts of your early career and indeed the middle part of it it was kind of nearly a, a triangle in terms of pendulum you had Rode you had Clary you had Tullamore Eden Derry in and out now and again the competitiveness of the Offaly Senior Football Championship is huge now and it probably, you know, you serve the county with distinction, probably going forward for Offaly as well as Tullamore, the way the championship is now and the amount of teams you have putting up their hand can only be huge. Oh, it is, look, it's a very competitive championship. You, you consider where we were last year, you know, in a relegation playoff um, and there's no guarantee we're going to beat Graceville either, you know, it's just in the day, I suppose, we things went our way um, and you look at Clara who unfortunately got relegated this year which is, you know, it just shows how competitive the championship is um, and look, there's only eight teams in it, you know, and um, we could easily have been found ourselves again in another relegation battle, you know. Um, but just very, very lucky that uh, Clara actually managed to beat Captain Curry this year. Other than that, we were heading for a relegation battle. So as you say, like, look, it's very, very competitive. Um, as I said, like, to be fair, I suppose Road, Road have been. I think this is the ninth final in a row. So look, they have been top, top dogs um, for the last number of years, and look, it's for us. We had to put our heads down now in two weeks' time and just put an awful lot of work in in the next week and a half because um, we have a huge challenge ahead of us. I suppose like any derby, be it hurling, be it soccer, be it football, when you're playing your your real you know contenders in it, Road and Tullamore is going to take on a life of its own. I think what has gone on before throughout the years probably doesn't really affect this outcome. It's seven years since, I suppose, Tullamore in the final and Road or the opposition that day. He won that day, of course. Is it a game where it just takes on a life itself or do you read much into your own form and Road's form? I know, look, it's, it's a one-off game, um, especially look at the final as well, you know, so these games tend to take their own pattern too, you know, I, I don't think they're going to be too interested in what Tullamore brought before, 
for us, it's not going to be of much interest to us either what road team was went before us as well or the history between the two teams. Um, it's a one-off game. Um, as, a, as you say, like, these games have a tendency just to take their own pattern and we just hope to get winners at the end, you know. The UTG brought in, of course, successful minor teams, successful school teams. You've probably integrated them a bit quicker than while Road have been bringing on a couple of youngsters as well. There's a lot of guys there that you would have soldiered against throughout your career and you know what they bring to the table. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Look, it, it, for me anyway, I think um, this year we've actually gone very well at junior level to junior, the junior A and junior B teams. And it's actually given us a chance to just develop some young lads that wouldn't really get game time otherwise, you know. Um, there's a couple of youngsters there that just maybe just not quite at senior level yet, but I get to know the games now with the junior A's and junior B's. Um, so it's great, you know, it's it's great to have that kind of building block for them as well. And hopefully in a couple of years' time, we might get some of those players as well to senior level. Um, so look, yeah, it's we're building as a club, and suppose we kind of neglected it for a few years, um, and hence why we haven't been at the top of the table. You know, it's as simple as that, and you're beginning to see the fruition now of. Um, just the hard work that's gone in at underage. You know, we managed to win a minor championship a couple of years ago. We're competing very well now this year as well. I think we're in, I think we're in a, a few finals underage this year now as well. So look, it is so important that you kind of mind your, and develop your underage. Um, and it's it's very easy when you have a bit of success to neglect it. Um, but as I say, like look, after 2013, we probably ha- learned a harsh lesson. Um, it was the time to really develop our underage and. Look, probably didn't do enough for for a couple of years, but look, the club seems in great stead now at the moment. I suppose the first challenge you'll have in the build-up to this in your own house, you know, the wife or old woman, will she be on your side or will she be going to green and gold? And, you know, these are all novelty factors you build up. But again, I suppose the occasions to be enjoyed as much as anything. Do you feel, as the older statesman of the team, a lot of pressure? Because when Tullamore are in a final, when they get, you know, the win behind their backs, the kind of town expects them to deliver. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't think too many people knew that anyway, but uh, ah, no, look, it, look, it adds definitely from from my own point of view, obviously, it, it adds a bit of interest to it as well, and look, um, her family are obviously steeped in GA history as well, you know, so there's a bit of banter there as well. Um, yeah, look, I, I wouldn't say I feel pressure, no, it's stuck for me. Um, finals are kind of, I won't say, they are rare for me, you know, so you kind of have to enjoy them. Um, I've been lucky enough to play in two or three of them before, and I know what they're like. Um, my intention is to go and enjoy them um, and I hope it'll be the same now come next Sunday that uh, I can go in and enjoy the game um, I wouldn't really say there's much pressure on me you know um, I would see that I have an awful lot of responsibility coming to the team there's, as you said before there's, we're backbone by a lot of youth so look you're kind of seeing it kind of taking on a leadership role as well so look pressure I'd have my own job but I, I'd try and do that as best I can and, um, and leave by example I suppose I suppose, look, there's one thing I haven't touched on too much in talking about GA, that the whole COVID that we've gone through the last six months and, you know, there's enough, I suppose, negative press about that during the day. From a playing perspective, this will be the first, you know, Senior A final of the year. Does it become a strange um, a strange setup, you know, going out in O'Connor Park next door, run out onto the field, but only maybe having 100, 200 people at it. Hopefully we stay at the levels we're at for that. Or does it become a weight off the players' shoulders, particularly the youngsters, that they haven't got five, six, seven, eight thousand people, you know, to, to be in that sort of environment. Yeah, look, it is, look, it's strange. It is, you know, there's no point in saying otherwise. Um, I think one way or another, the fact is the final brings its own pressures, you know. Um, even when you're playing, you don't tend to notice the crowd too much. Even last Sunday there, I wouldn't have said I, I noticed the crowd when I was playing or the lack of a crowd. Um, 
but then maybe if there was a big crowd there, it might be a different story that you actually might pay to It might have been a bit, bit more difficult taking penalties, all right, in front of a big crowd. But um, look, we just want to win a final, you know, and it is an awful pity that fans can't go to it and can't enjoy it. Um, it was certainly something for me anyway uh, at the end of the game. Like even family members, you know, only one person can go really um, if, on an S to get a ticket outside of it. So from that is quite sad, really. Um, but look, it's it is what it is. It's a final. We're going to try and win the final, be it a crowd or not. Whatever's there is there. But um, yeah, look, it is. It's it's unfortunate. And lastly, you know, like Niall, who you've obviously soldiered with coming in as manager, someone with a a very you know passionate defence of the youngsters coming through. Do you see this as kind of a turning point for Tullamore in general? Because this is the level Tullamore need to be at year on year. Because you would have said that maybe the underage was neglected for a time spell and seven years between drinks is probably a long, too long a time for Tullamore to be out of, of a county final day. Yeah, look, we're a very ambitious club. Um, but look, the reality is we played in one county final, or this is our first county final since 2013. Um, for the size of the club, it's probably just not good enough, you know. So we've been in a situation before where we've had young teams. Uh, 2013 was quite a young team. Um, I think, you know, like, I'd say the average age was under 25 in that, that, that uh, final. And you would have said we would have kicked on and it didn't happen. So we can't take anything for granted, you know, we're here now. Um, but we have to put in an awful lot of work now again for an, over the next couple of years because there's no, it, we've no given right just to kick on. You know, it, it, it takes a lot, a lot of effort uh, and we need to keep loading young players and, um, and keep doing the right things at club level. But um, there's no guarantee, like I said, that this team will be around next year or the year after. Uh, anything can happen. You can lose a couple of players here and there. So uh, you'd hope that we're turning the corner. Um, and I'd be optimistic, but as I say, like a, a lot of work has to go in. Road, who've got 29 county titles across their history, nine county finals in a row, have turned to outside for their management this season, with Portleash's Malachy McNulty coming in and bringing them back into the county final. They qualified for it undefeated. They beat Tullamore in the group stages too. And when I spoke to Malachy, we started by talking about the prospect of coming into a club who've already tasted so much success. Very different to previous conversations we would have had. Uh, would have been probably in Port Leash as opposed to being here. I remember actually we had a chat on the phone a few years ago when you were going to play Road in the Leinster Club Championship. So you've gone from playing against and preparing to take on Road to managing them this year. How have you found it? It's been a challenge. Um, I suppose, you know, we'll, when I was asked to take the job, it was probably a job that I looked at twice. There was a few other jobs there and uh, I just didn't bear a thought to it. But I just says, hang on there a second now. This is a this is a fantastic traditional club, a club that I'm uh, knowledgeable about. Um, you know, I had uh, some uh, some information on the players that had been there already, and uh, you know, I was quite excited at the time. This is going back to November, December last year. I was just very excited at the prospect of working with uh, players of such a high caliber. You're coming into a club which has a not too dissimilar tradition to your own home club. This is nine county finals in a row that Road have been to. Mm-hmm. They've dominated uh, Offaly football over the last 15 years. I would imagine when you come in as a manager, that is a similar challenge, though, is to keep that hunger for success when you come into a group who've already achieved as much as they have. Yeah, it was uh, similar with Portley, as you say. So it's, uh, you know, I was coming in with this team and... You know, you're in so many county finals. Where do you go from there? You know, and uh, I suppose a new manager, an outside manager, might help to freshen things up a little bit, Will. Um, and I suppose what you look at then is you look at your players, your profiles, and, uh, you know, what can they do? Where can they improve upon, you know? And are they willing to do that? 
and it's certainly something I found about this group of players. They just uh, they just want to soak everything up. They want to improve their game. Um, you know, they're, they're they're great on the breakdown, particularly in championship season. So they'll have a good, solid, uh, honest look at their uh, at the previous game, and you know, try and implement what needs to be implemented for the game coming forward. And you've joined a club who've got just a remarkable set of players too. You look mm -hmm. at Alan McNamee, who I think is officially the fourth most successful club in the Offaly Championship if he was to just go by his own medals. Mm -hmm. And then you take players like Niall McNamee, Brian Darby, Niall Darby, leaders and guys who've been part of this success over the last 20 years. Mm. You've mentioned that, Will, uh, leaders. And, uh, you know, I, I'd venture to say that uh, there's leaders all around the park, you know. The inter-county players that are there, um, you know, that are playing their trade with the uh, the county, uh, it's different this year in that they, they were with us and exposed to us a lot more than usual. Um, but just even, you know, at club level for the club players, you've got some fantastic servants there, you know, who just really drive it on. Ex-county players like, uh, you know, the Sullivan brothers. Um, you've got the likes of Kieran Heavey, who's been playing his trade for a long, long time. You've got the Cavanaghs there. They're just two fantastic brothers who, uh, you, you know, I can't imagine lads are in as uh, good a shape anywhere in the country as them. And then you've got, uh, you know, some, some of the younger brigade coming through as well. Lads uh, like Keith Murphy, who has done exceptional in the championship this year as part of the panel, and uh, you know Aaron Keelan, who's a massive prospect. So you know these young lads are looking at the older lads. Uh, they're seeing how things are done. They're taking tips. They're taking advice from them, suggestions, and uh, you know it bodes well for road in general. When it comes to this championship, I guess reasonably straightforward in terms of the group championship, at least mm -hmm. from an outsider, that's the way people would look at how the games went. Mm -hmm. uh, did that pose its own problem going into the Eden Derry game, given that you'd had three games where you weren't massively tested going into it? I, I think it comes down to how much you test yourself, you know. So, you know, you can go out the early stages and you can play Clara and your Captain Kerr and Tullamore even, who we have in the final now. Um, you know, we prepared as best we could for that game. Uh, we wanted to go after each game, you know, from the get-go. And, uh, you know, regardless of whether the game is in the melting pot or whether you're pulling away, you want to try and focus on getting a performance. Because essentially when it comes to knockout football, uh, you're looking at teams putting, you know, three quarters, uh, the full, full game of a good performance together and not kind of uh, dipping for long periods of time because that's where games can be won and lost. So, uh, you know, if you were to ask me, I'd say, uh, you, you know, we really tried to string a full performance in the group stages. And in fairness, you know, uh, you have to go back to a very important word in this squad, which is resilience, okay? Because sport is such that it doesn't always go to plan. You know, you have your Mike Tyson saying everyone has a plan till you get that punch in the nose, you know? So that resilience really shone true. So if you were asking me, uh, did it pose problems? I don't think so. I really wanted the collective conscience of the team to be uh, one of resilience, where when things don't go wrong, whether it's on a micro level and it's maybe a wide that's hit or a goal that should have been scored, or whether it's on the macro level, like last Saturday, where things just aren't clicking in certain key areas of the pitch, um, that they stuck to their guns, they stuck to the plan, and they went after it. And look, it's kind of a microcosm of everything, is the Rory McNamee point, which sends that game to extra time. Mm -hmm. Works a good position, okay, he's a little bit off balance when he takes it, mm -hmm. but you know, he still had the balls to take the shot when it was needed to make sure that you got an equaliser. And at that point, you know, you go to 60 minutes and you're there, oh well, you know, you're turning to your selectors on the line, what's the, uh, what's the ref going to do? There's a water break to put in, there's a little bit of extra time, will he play 63, will you get 64, might you get an extra minute out of it? Um, but you're looking out in, the, in those few minutes towards the end of the game and you're kind of like, uh, you're kind of saying, they're actually looking to make it happen, you know, and 
regardless of the result in the end, you know, you couldn't fault him for that. Because at that stage, you have your cornerbacks. Brian Darby is filtering up through the centre of the pitch. He's finding himself on the opposition 45. You've got Niall, his brother, doing the same. You've got Garrett McNamee driving forward. You've got Owen Rigney from centre-back driving forward. They're going to look to make it happen. So, you know, we were very glad to get the result. Rory really, really pulled one of the finest points you'll see in Conor Park, given the context out of fire. But at the end of the day, you know, they just kept going. And, uh, you know, if I was to look back on that game and it was a defeat, I, I couldn't fault them for their resilience. And look, they showed everything about their skill in that first half of extra time too. Mm-hmm. You've got to make use of the wind when you've got it in the mm-hmm. circumstances. And they put scores together and they got a goal that proved absolutely crucial. So mm-hmm. they were able to kind of refocus themselves after they got the draw and then to push on at that point too. Yeah, but I would have mentioned it earlier on as well, Will. Uh, the panel played such an important role. I uh, can't honestly say that we put uh, one sub on there that day that didn't play a very, very important role. Like. Porrick, for example, had to go on after 10 minutes uh, due to an injury to Kieran Heavey, and Porrick just emptied the tank for 40, 45 minutes, and he was able to willingly come off and someone else to go on and do the job. Uh, Paul McPadden played a, you know, a huge role uh, in driving it forward. He would have got one of those points at the end. And, um, y- you know, I, I, I kind of maybe get a bit sentimental on this one, but I think when you put someone like Alan McNamee out in O'Connor Park, he nearly just knows every blade of gla- uh, grass. He knows where to be at the right time, and he knows what ball to deliver. And in fairness to him, uh, you have to pinpoint the two passes that he played. Mm-hmm. He delivered to Rory for the equaliser, and he delivered to his brother for the goal, and uh, Niall Julie uh, dispatched. So, you know, I just look back on the, the strength of that panel and how they drove on in that way, you know. I'm sure when you get to a county final, knowing that you can rely on those players and bring them in at vital points, mm-hmm. they could be the difference maker in a final. Oh, absolutely, you know, absolutely. But uh, you know, we're looking at Tullamore at the moment, and uh, something tells me uh, it's it's not going to be the same Tullamore team that we played uh, back in the group stages. It's going to be a Tullamore team that uh, have gotten a bit of momentum, you know, a little bit of confidence. Uh, they played a fine brand of football. They were very, very quick and slick the last day. Um, they were driving forward in waves. You know, I thought they played a really good game in the semi-final. So we're going to prepare for them. And uh, like any other game, Will, uh, we're looking back on maybe some of our deficits uh, from the previous game. Not just that, but we did very well also and tried to put that into practice. Uh, we'll have a look at our panel and... Uh, Myself, Anthony and uh, Joe will do our best to put out the best team for the county final uh, to give ourselves uh, every chance of winning. I mean, when it comes to your opponents, a lot's been made of the fact that they've reached this final with just one victory and mm-hmm. not too dissimilar to their hurlers 11 years ago who won a championship after I think just one win and one draw in the group stage to qualify. It doesn't matter how you get to a final, mm-hmm. ultimately the fact that you get there. And from Tullamore's point of view, they had their safety net entirely taken away at the point that they lost to you in the championship in the second round. Mm-hmm. They've done a hell of a job to get to a final from that position. No, there's no doubt about it. You know, and you have to commend Tullamore. Again, uh, uh, they have shown great structure uh, under their management going forward. You know, two defeats in the early stages of the group games. Anyone could have said they were out, you know, given a... You know, given what they were going into in the third game, but they knuckled down. They got the result over Clara, and uh, you know, full credit to them because you know I was at the game there on Sunday uh, watching them play, and you know, for Manor County champions, and Tullamore looked uh, every bit able for them. You know, it was a very, very even contest. So I suppose the momentum uh, is with Tullamore, and they're probably feeling that as well. But we'll do everything in our power to uh, to counter that. We're a couple of weeks away from the final as we speak tonight here in Road. Does it feel any different for you to be preparing for a final? with a club that's not your own? Um, see, I try to break it down and make it very black and white. It's very simplistic for me, you know. So I suppose 
I, I can kind of tunnel vision uh, just the games that are gone and the games that are coming, you know. Uh, I suppose, uh, you know, is there a lack of sentiment in relation to the fact that it's not my own club? Uh, I honestly believe that uh, you can't really manage a club properly unless there's some sort of emotional attachment and trust that's built between management and players. Um, so I wouldn't say it's much different, you know. It's not, it's not hugely different. Uh, you, you know, you try to connect with the players, you try to see what makes them tick, uh, and you, you try and bring them along and get the most out of them. That's what I would have done with my own club, you know, and, and it's not hugely different, Will, no, no. In terms of players, anyone I've spoken to recently, at least for Offaly, this championship is very different because mm -hmm. they would previously have played a couple of rounds before Intercounty, played Intercounty, came back, finished the groups, and then have a, a longer kind of run to the final. This year has been shorter, just the nature of COVID-19 and everything else. Has that helped as a manager? Because some of the players have said one thing has been very helpful for them is playing in two-week blocks and playing game on game, that they're actually able to find a bit of fitness and form because of that. Well, there's a couple of aspects to that, okay? Um, obviously... It's, it's, it's two weeks, two weeks all the way through, so you get to build momentum. Uh, that's one way of looking at it, but it doesn't always work that way, as you could see last uh, Saturday with ourselves, because you, you know the, the, the form didn't stay true. But at the same time, going back to it, as I say, when we came back after COVID, it was a difficult time. There were a lot of injuries. You were trying to get lads up to championship uh, pace, and you were trying to get that balance right. So, uh, you know, that was probably one of the cons of COVID. Uh, it was very, very difficult to manage and get everybody fit in two match day in one piece. But I'd say one of the big pros of it this year was the fact that, look, um, I think the Intercounty pulled the plug at one stage and then all of a sudden you have your six or seven players in which you're training uh, consistently. So you're not depending on pre, let's say, uh, pre-championship that you only have them for a week or a week and a half or two weeks, you know. So as a result, um, it has built up a very uh, cohesive bond uh, amongst, uh, amongst the entire panel, you know. So it's not just uh, the boys are back. And, uh, and now who's going to lose their place or what's going to happen. It's, uh, you know, it's more level pegging. And as a club manager, I would imagine a break in the season or the split season that they're talking about is probably something you'd welcome then. Ah, yeah, I wouldn't mind that at all, you know, but uh, I suppose this is, a, this is a good trial run for it and just see how things work out. Uh, you know, that's something that's out of our control. You know, I just... Uh, a split season might work. Yeah, it might it might not work, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. You know, um, it's just interesting uh, how much uh, I, I think passion from the players has gone into county uh, their county championships and not overly thinking about beyond that. You know, and it's great to see around the county or the country rather how it's going. I would imagine as well they probably made you quite aware of the history of the two clubs here. You're talking about the two have raised the Dowling Cup more than anyone else. Mm -hmm. uh, Road 29 to Lamore now 27. It feels like only yesterday I was here and the two clubs were potentially going for 28 mm -hmm. and uh, managers were trying to play that down. But there's no getting away from the fact that you're talking about the two pedigree teams over the last 100 years and awfully that are going to meet in this final now. Yeah, it's uh, going to be a huge rivalry. It's going to be a great day. Um, it's almost like the tables turn. Uh, you know, in previous years, I would have been uh, obviously involved with Port Leash and you'd be going into a more park, but it's like you're playing in your backyard. And now I'm uh, coming in with Road and it's playing a team that are almost playing in their backyard, you know. So there's that kind of element to it because that, that stands a lot to that home team, if that makes sense, you know. Um, it's it's going to be a great game. I, I hope it's going to be an open game of football. Um, you know, there will be bite in it. Now, I said that about the last game. Um, you know, I have a cousin from Offaly and he often reminds me that the, the daggers fly in O'Connor Park and that it's a different, uh, it's a different uh, kettle of fish when you're outside group stages and you're in dead out championship football and knockout championship football. So it's, uh, yeah, you know, it's a game to look forward to. 
and I guess a little bit different to last year where Pascal Keelan and Jack Cooney were preparing for a county final with a lot of injuries and a lot of concerns coming into it. Uh, you seem to be a bit better placed maybe than the way the team were last year going into the final where you're not having to bandage a few players going up by the looks of it. Well, God will, you've got a good old insight there. You're going, to give me, you're going to give me the full injury. <laughs> well, look, at, if you're looking at it, Will, uh, we had to use 22 players the last day, you know, and uh, if extra time was to come the next day, I, I, you know, I'm pretty sure we'd probably have to use 20, 21, 22 players again. Uh, that's the way the game has gone. You know, if you're getting the most out of your players, uh, they're going hard, they're going fast, and they're giving you everything you have. Uh, for so long. I know the black card is slightly different, but I, I really do miss that six sub in a normal time but, uh, but because it's, it's a great cushion to have. But this is a, this is a, this is a panel game. Um, the lads are still in recovery this week uh, and, you know, that's about right given the, uh, uh, given the exertions of the game on, uh, on Saturday. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll wind them up now to this weekend and we'll bring them back down and we'll, uh, we'll see how they're all set for the game. On a final note, before I let you go, uh, <laughs> Is practicing penalties at the end of training now becoming a more regular event, uh, given Tullamore were telling me last week that they did put a little bit of thought into it, knowing the games were finishing on the day. Have the lads in road been practicing penalties a bit more than usual? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a few, uh, few lads that fancy themselves more than others at penalties. Um, you know, you might see a, a couple of small little penalty shootouts gathering from time to time before training and maybe at different points during the year. Uh, it's something that we will have a look at uh, over the coming weeks. Uh, we have looked at, uh, but only very briefly, mind you, over the past couple of months. Um, but it's certainly a change. Someone said it to me the other day, Will, that, you know, ah, there's no, it's no way to win a county final. I think it was in relation to the Tyrone county final. You know, so nobody should go out in penalties and things like that. And when you think about it, the World Cup is, uh, yeah, you know, that can be decided on penalties. The biggest competitions in the world are uh, deciding penalties. So maybe it's the way forward. It's also something that you can train for. Mm -hmm. I know commentators love to say the lottery of penalties, but mm -hmm. ultimately the team who are better prepared and who have the better penalty shooters and the people who show their nerve on the day are probably going to win. I mean, it rewards skill. Mm, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. And all you have to do is look at last Sunday. I think, was there, was there 10, 10 penalties converted? 5-5? Five, five? The first seven rounds were all converted. That was, was unbelievable, unbelievable stuff, you know. And I, I, did see the, uh, I, did, I did see the videos for it. And, uh, you know, it was some shootout. Well, look, Malky, thanks a million for talking to us and uh, best of luck getting ready for the final on Sunday week. Will, thanks very much as always. OK, that was Malachy McNulty, already a man who's had so much success as both a player and a manager with Port Leash, and both played and managed against Road, now in charge of the village ahead of this Sunday's county final. I also spoke to two of their key players coming into the decider, their vice-captain Gareth McNamee and captain for Road this coming Sunday, Niall Darby. Niall, I'll start with you. Does the novelty wear off in any way when you've got to nine finals in a row? And particularly when you look at the success going back to the turn of the century, 2002-2003, it's so familiar for Road to be in a final. But particularly having been in nine successive ones, does it lose any of the lustre uh, getting back into these finals year on year? No, absolutely not. In fact, it's every one you reach, the satisfaction is nearly compounded. Um, with every one of them, they're not easily got to. So to uh, get to nine in a row is... is um, it's testament to the work that's gone on, you know, for the last 20 years in road. Uh, but, um, as I said, none of them are ever easily won. Um, and we know of a huge test ahead of ourselves Sunday week. Plus, in fairness, every expert out there, probably include myself in this, are thinking road are probably in a downward spiral now. There's only so long that, you know, those particularly the veteran players in the club can keep going and keep getting back to county finals. Uh, but you continue to confound us uh, with the amount of success that you have. Uh, it's remarkable the achievement of such a small area to be able to continue to get to county finals year on year. 
Yeah, um, but I suppose like that every year, a couple of young lads are brought on as well, and we've no distractions in road from a point of view of other sports. Um, so people that start to play football from a very early age generally tend to stay with it. Um, and thankfully with the, with the underage system we have here, there's a lot of good footballers produced and getting them through to senior isn't, um, isn't really an issue. And they've, they've a love for, for the game straight away and I, lo- I want to play for road from an early age and thankfully they follow through with that. Um, and, um, you know, as I said, a couple of young lads come through every year, but you have a mix of youth and experience there as well. Like you saw the job Alan McMahon did the last time when he came on, uh, just just absolutely incredible. The way the man still um, the man still holds himself. Uh, so between, as I said, that mix of youth and experience, it's it's a good place to be. Well, look. Alan McNamee has lifted more Dowling Cups than most clubs in the county have at this point. He's in the top five if he was just to be a club in and of himself. It is quite remarkable that he comes in and the impact that he had when he came on in that semi-final against Eden Derry. You're looking for a player to maybe force the agenda base, play a longer pass. He plays this laser pass into his brother, which leads to the goal. Yeah, that's. Um, I talked to an Eden Derry man in work the week a couple of days ago, which was a few days after the, the semi-final, and he said... Uh, he said, I'm absolutely sick of looking at that ball from Alan McMahon to Niall McMahon and a goal. <laughs> um, so, but um, no, that's, he's, he's, as I said, he's a, a credit to himself, the way he's carried himself. Um, you know, and I, I, know, I know the man all my life. He used to be my babysitter, actually, as a matter of fact. Uh, um, didn't do a great job on that front. <laughs> but um, no, I've, he's a man I've looked up to all my life and, and will always continue to. Um, I think he's 11 senior championship medals um, but to train with him he's just as hungry as if he'd known you know as if he'd never won a thing in his life Uh, still orchestrates things of training uh, still the driving force of training and uh, for him to come on and have the impact he did the last day is is, is brilliant to him Just in chatting to Anton the other day he was kind of admitting I put the headline in the Midland Tribune to him which was uh, a get out of jail free card but he was saying that maybe you learn a bit about yourselves going into a final when you can rook a situation out like that, where it looked like for large times Eden Derry were going to win the game, even 64 minutes gone, you desperately needed a score, found that score to put into extra time. You learn a bit about the character of a team in those situations. Yeah, we showed massive resilience and character in that, in fairness. Uh, you know, I missed a free uh, to draw it, and I looked up the clock and it was 64 minutes gone, but I heard the referee say there's two minutes left. And I said to myself, just please let us get a chance. Um, and Eden Derry won the next kick out, but we got the ball back and Rory marked me level with a brilliant score. And then, as you, you alluded to earlier, the laser pass from Super into Nyland, we got a goal and we were managed to kick on from there, thankfully. And it seems to have been a real drive once you got to extra time. You knew you had the elements with you, that wind was swirling in your favour, that you had to make the most of it. Otherwise, Eden Derry were going to have 10 or so minutes with that advantage. You made the most of it. Yeah, and it was, it was important to do that because... We hadn't done that for all of the game in the, up to that with or without the wind. We hadn't we were erratic with our shooting, didn't take our chances, kicked away an awful lot of ball, you know. Um so just that one chance that we got on goal, uh, we took it and that was the, the kind of catalyst for, for us to push on from there. Mm-hmm. When it comes to motivation and trying to get back to a county final, I'm sure it probably started the Monday after the defeat to Ferban last year, because Ferban beat you, you have to come back. You are now the challengers, a new management comes in with Maliki too. Was there kind of a freshness when you had a new management team coming in and a goal to be chasing as opposed to being the chase this year? Yeah, there was. And I suppose the, the outgoing management last year, um, you know, they were 
they were a special group to be around as well and to be involved with. Um, and we we great days and memories with them. And you know, but a, a fresh voice came in and um, Maliki and the lads so far have, have have done a brilliant job. We've they've put us in a position to now challenge for for a championship again, which is which is all we wanted after last um, after last year having been beaten. And um, you know that that final last year still. It's kind of raw enough now, to be honest. But um, no, I've put that to the back of our minds now and uh, focus on what's going to be a, a massive challenge on the week. And Malik McNulty coming in, not easy to replace effectively an inter-county management with Westmead that has left you last year. You look at Maliki, who's had so much success as a player and then seamlessly transitioned directly from his playing career to being the manager of Port Leash and continued on their run of success after that too. You knew what you were getting when he came in. Yeah, and more importantly than that, we, we knew we were getting a winner. Um, he's he's a man that uh, he doesn't like to lose. You know he's he's uh, t- he's quick to tell everyone he won ten championships as a player, three as a manager. So um, you know he's been around a lot of success. Uh, he's he's won uh, he won two Leinster club championship medals as well as a player. So um, he's a great pedigree behind him, and uh, thankfully we managed to uh, to avail of his services. And um, as I said, he's done he's done a great job so far. What about Tullamore then? You beat them in the group stages of this championship. They looked like they were down and out at that point. They rescued a result against their rivals, Clara, and then they knocked Ban out against the odds in the semi-final. A hell of an achievement for them to get from that position with no safety net whatsoever into a county final. We talk about character of teams. That says a lot about them, doesn't it? Oh, huge, yeah. Um, and if anyone reads anything into the, the group game that we played them on a, on a Tuesday or a Monday night in Gracefield, um, it'd be very, very foolish, and you know the 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 longer Tullamore teams are left in championships, you know they're they're notoriously hard to beat in finals. Uh, that's why that's why we're going to have to uh, improve an awful lot in our on our performance from the last day. We know that won't be close to good enough uh, to to get over Tullamore so um, it's going to be a huge challenge but as I said it's great to be in a position to uh, to challenge for a championship and the argument to be as well now if you're going to be flat on the game you'd rather be flat in a semi-final than in a final yeah that's true but I suppose a lot of that flatness was down to Eden Derry as well um, didn't really let us um, play and they have a very youthful team there and a good mixture of youth and experience and they'll, they'll be a team to watch for the next number of years yeah, we're just having a chat looking back on it um, from last Saturday and the feeling was if you look at the age profile of that Eden Derry team particularly, no great surprise when they had a few outstanding minors over the last few years. They're definitely a coming force within the county again. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And um, like that, you know, Tullamore will be as well. They've had an awful lot of lads involved with minor and under-20 teams down the last number of years. So um, they're going to be, you know, I think anyone who wants to win championships in the next couple of years is going to have to be going through the likes of Eden Derry and Tullamore. Garrett, I'll ask you, what's the feeling like when you're kind of in this couple of week period getting ready for a county final now? And particularly this year, it must probably feel a little bit different, you know, given the season's been compressed in the way it was because of COVID-19. It only feels like a few days ago nearly that the championship got underway, and here we are now at county final time already. Yeah, it's a great feeling to be in, getting ready for a, another county final. And um, it, was, it was great to come back after the lockdown, you know, as Niall said earlier, it was very frustrating when we went into lockdown. And... You don't um you take football for granted until it's taken away for you. So we were trying to tip away on our own for so many weeks and when we came out of lockdown then it was uh, all systems go and sure everyone was delighted to get back up to the field and um just grateful to be uh, back playing football, you know, and gearing up for a county final. 
And I'd say, look, for a lot of people, there was that genuine concern that maybe the club season wouldn't even happen. And then when Offaly went into the localised lockdown for a while, we really wondered if it was going to get finished in time. It's probably a relief just to be able to get these games uh, every couple of weeks now. Yeah, it is. You know, um, it was you were just gaining momentum and then we were back in lockdown again and it was kind of a feeling of unfairness to the three counties and we were kind of wondering wh- when and what if, if it doesn't get finished. But... Uh, Thankfully, it was, it was back up and we played uh, Tullamore on that Monday after the lockdown and it was great to be back playing and it was ran off smoothly since. So it's uh, games coming ticking fast and it's, uh, it's great to get back playing. We was chatting to Malky earlier. He was saying it's not too dissimilar to the Leash Championship given that they have a knockout system where generally it's played in late August all the way through to the end of September and that's the championship. It's a bit different for Offaly this year though. Normally, you would have had one or two runouts back in April or May and then inter-county breaks off, and then you're back again, and it's a couple of seasons almost rolled into one. Has it been enjoyable as a player to be able to at least be able to break this into a six, seven-week period and have your championship played in that? Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this year. You know, you had the likes of Niall and all the inter-county boys with you the whole, the whole year, basically, and um, you weren't stopping and starting and playing a game in April and then have a completely different team the next round in July when the championship gets rolled out. But it was great to get that momentum and a bit of... Um, you know, your continuity as well within the team, and um, yeah, it was enjoyable this format. Now I'd, I'd be a fan of that going forward. You know, so um, getting the championship done in every two weeks, uh, prefer that now this year. Yeah, we've talked a lot, obviously, about the semi-final against Eden Derry, but understandably, there's going to be talk about it because it was so dramatic. Um, that kind of little bit of bite and steel that's needed to get through a semi-final is that something that could potentially be very useful in a final that you can draw upon what you had to do, particularly in the late stages of that semi-final last weekend? Yeah, I think we found out a lot about ourselves last Saturday. Um, it was a 64th minute, as Niall said that, and we're still in the game, you know, and we're kind of thinking, just, just let, let us get that ball, and we, we get one more chance at it, and as you said, Super comes up again and kicks that ball in from whatever it was, the laser, as they were calling it earlier, but um, it's just... You know that that'll stand to us, of course, and we know what happened in the other semi-final. But it, it goes to show how strong the Offaly Championship is. Four teams, n- nothing between them, you know, and that's a very, very strong Eden Derry team. Likewise with Tullamore, so um, we're grateful just to be gearing up for a, a final Sunday week and not to be going through a long winter again, you know. I'll be careful how I phrase this so I don't get in trouble with him. But given his advancing years, does Alan still take as full a part in all the training, everything that happens, or is he indulged a little bit? Given that you know, it would be understandable if he was able to take it a bit easier. Just, uh, <laughs> he wouldn't be going in half-hearted up a training, anyways. You know, you'd be kind of looking to dodge him up there. He'd be going like a train. So as Jody Gunn would say, but uh, <laughs> no, he he still. I, I don't know how the man does it with all the county medals he has. He still goes as as if he has none, you know, he's just, he's 100% every night of training, there's no wrapping him up in cotton wool, and I'd say if you tried to wrap him up in cotton wool, you'd, you'd get an elbow or something like that, and that's not something I'd like to get off the man. That's some of the romance, isn't it, about club football, though? You get guys who are at the very outset of their adult career will come in and take a place in the panel, and people who've given over a decade of experience and service to their club will still be around trying to win more county medals. Yeah, it's a testament to the club, really. There's a great atmosphere around, and you breed success, and the, the youth come in and they get a kick off that and they want some of they want what the supers and the nailers and the lab beside me do, they want what they have you know and that's what drives everyone on and everyone's as hungry as ever it's it's like we're going for our first championship over and over because when you go back to training that year you're you're not really the champion you know you're going for that that title again and I know after last 
last year with Forban. It was a long, long winter and I couldn't wait to get back training. But I know it's in the freezing cold and as it was this year, the frosty pitches. Um, but I just couldn't wait to get back for 2020. Yeah, because on those moments, the championships are built. Now, can I just ask you about Offaly coming back? Um, kind of, obviously, the lads are back training. I think their first proper session with uh, John Mon was the week just gone. You have to push it back by a couple of weeks before you go back in. But how are you feeling about this kind of very short preparation window that Offaly are going to have? Because you know the middle of next month and those last two league games are going to come around very quickly. They will, yeah. But I suppose... It's it's a nice complaint to have that you've games to look forward to as opposed to having absolutely nothing. Um, it was looking that way a couple of months ago that that absolutely nothing you get played. But uh, they, yeah, off went back last night. Um, I can picture John on the way down from Castlebar with a big grin on his face going down to Kilcormac, uh, getting ready to train and, and probably he went up and down three times last weekend. Yeah, so he was yeah. he's very quick to stress that too. Yeah. <laughs> And the wetter and the dirtier the night, I'd say to John, John would enjoy it more. So, um, no, it's great. It's, um, I think from the county finals, the 4th and 4th of October, and awfully play Tipperary in the next league game on the 18th. Mm. So exactly two weeks. Um, so um, that'll, be, that'll be a very quick turnaround. But as I said, it's nice to have that to look forward to. And it's just more or less games from here on into the end of the year. You know, as soon as we play Tipperary, it's the following week is against Derry and the following week is the first round of the championship and anything after that um, that happens. So I suppose it's it's nice to just have games to look forward to as well. Yeah. Does it feel like a slightly different year? I mean, naturally it has to give them the way 2020 has gone. But the idea that you're going out there and effectively it's do or die every single game you play between now and the end. Like realistically, you need a result against Tipperary or Derry to ensure that you're in Division 3 for next year. And then win or lose the Carlo game, that's going to define how long you play in the championship. That's it, yeah. Um, we definitely need a result from one of those games. Um, be great to get two of them if possible. Um, you know, the tip game will be, will be especially tough, seeing as the like of Michael Quinlivan that came back and a few others that came back. But um, I suppose that's uh, further to think for down the line. Um, it'll be strange to play such um, games of such importance in October and and hopefully going into November then. Well, it was also Camogie final weekend in Offaly and the title, St. Rhinus now four seasons in a row, Joe, that they've won the championship. And I remember a time when Rhinus couldn't get a breakthrough and they were watching your club, Drum Cullen, winning titles. Uh, they were watching Shinron's dominant period in particular. They had a year where they looked like they were about to get there and Burr bang in a goal in the semi-final in the 90, I should say the 67th minute, seven minutes into injury time, broke their hearts and Burr go on to win their maiden title. Rhinus then had to regroup and become champions four years ago. And they've had just this remarkable journey. You were doing their All-Ireland final last year where, God, for large stages of that game, it looked like they were going to beat Galtier and be crowned All-Ireland champions. But they've run off a couple of Leinster Intermediate crowns in recent seasons, now four Offaly titles in a row. Rhinus are building a bit of a dynasty here. Oh, they are an incredible group of ladies, in fairness. Um, there's a great spirit down there. Anytime we've gone down for preview nights, um, you know, be it up before the All-Ireland, be it just media nights and stuff, they're always very open and honest. They're a fun group of girls. Um, there's a lot of good people down there in St. Rhinus Camogie Club. And look, I was probably, to an extent, reared on Camogie success. As you said, it was Drumcullen, Shinron, Shinron, Drumcullen, Drumcullen do a lot of titles in a row. Then Shinron broke that stranglehold. They looked like they were going to dominate. And then... 
you know, you had the title from Border come in, but St. Rhinus have been the coming force. You know, they and they experienced a lot of hurt before they got over that hurdle. You know, uh, beaten maybe controversially in a semi final. Uh, the you know they had a lot of. Kind well, of I can say as a bird person, it was massively controversial. <laughs> yeah. They felt that game was over multiple times in injury time, and you just wondered if there was going to be one more chance. And then it's a swing and a hit, a goal out yeah. of nowhere, and they're beaten in the semi-final. I think they probably would have went on and beat Chiron in that final. But the hurt of it ended up becoming a big motivating factor for the run they're currently on. It has, and they huge servants. Like from the likes of Elaine Sullivan was probably one of their most experienced and maybe doesn't get the credit that Linda gets from being you know, a county stalwart and you know, playing with ladies football as well. But Elaine Sullivan has been a real linchpin of that. She was captain last year. Or sorry, Emma Corkham was captain last year. But uh, the likes of those girls have huge experience. You know, you have the likes of the Kate Kenny, Siobhan Flannery's Linda with so much county experience, Maria Daly now back into it. And like even Grani Dolan, the captain, like last year, she really took the game by the neck up in Croke Park. Got a one of the best scores I've seen, in not just Camogie but up in Croke Park. She, you know, fetched the puck out, launched over a huge effort and a hugely popular character down in St. Rhinus. They were heartbroken. I was heartbroken for them doing commentary. And when you're commentating, it's hard not to, you know, you're trying to stay neutral. But my heart went out to Rhinus that day because a goal, like literally the last puck of the game. But I did say that day they will be back. They're hardest battles are always in Offaly do you know and they have Sharon breathing down her neck they have Burr but the pace they have an attack the togetherness and when you get a bit of motivation a bit of success and then you start to get you know a run at these games St. Rhinus are always going to be feared now in Leinster and I think and look you're not going to put the, the ass before the cart and go with wild predictions but I think sooner rather than later Rhinus will get an All-Ireland success if it happens this year, and we don't know what's going to happen with the COVID in terms of how the Leinster and All-Ireland champions are going to play out the next couple of years, but I think if Rhinus can get back, navigate their way through a Leinster campaign, I think it's only a matter of time because Gal Shear's story could become St. Rhinus. They, of course, were beaten the year before. They beat Rhinus in a snatch and grab, but I just think it's a fantastic achievement. As I said, the Camogie and Offaly is extremely competitive now. We went through that period of dominance, as we said, with Drumcullen and Sean winning the odd title. It's going to be hard to see beyond Rhinus for a couple of years because all of a sudden now success breeds success. You start to see underage teams in the county finals and St. Rhinus aren't going anywhere for a while. No, they most definitely aren't. Let's hear from the St. Rhinus camp then. A little bit earlier on today, I spoke to their captain, Grania Dolan, about their success now, four titles in a row. Delighted to say we are now joined by the St. Rhinus Camogie captain, Grania Dolan. It's after St. Rhinus secured their fourth Offaly title in a row. They beat Shinrone at the weekend by three goals and 16 points to four goals and nine. And Grania, when people hear that final scoreline, they're probably thinking, okay, that got down to three points very late. But realistically, Shinrone's comeback was late on when they gave you a good scare with some goals late in the game. Yeah, it probably, yeah, the scoreline doesn't reflect maybe how well we were doing like we had a 14 point lead there at one stage and then we knew Shinron were going to come back at some stage like they always do um, and they just got three goals so quick like they just kept pushing at us um, so I think and it was later on like maybe I don't know if they were thinking they should have done it sooner but um, I think we always kind of knew Shinron were going to come back at some stage we just didn't realise they'd come back with such force and get they got three goals just so quickly, but um, we definitely the all the way up um, throughout the rest of the match, like we were definitely on top of them. Like you know, we had such a lead, and um, they just did really well to to uh, diminish the lead to three points. It's just a remarkable run that you're on now at this point because you wait so long to get the breakthrough success with this team, and now to have run off 
four in a row to have won a couple of Leinster titles in there. Okay, I guess the All-Ireland last year is the one disappointment of this run, but it's a remarkable little period of success that you've put together now in pretty short succession with the club. Yeah, it's incredible to be part of. Um, like to actually get to Park last year, like that just that's stuff of dreams. Like you always it's what everyone hopes to achieve, like to get there. I know, as you said, it was disappointing we didn't win, but um still to get there was amazing. Like we have um when we won our first county title three years ago, we had Albert and Roy with us and they put in serious work. Um they they're brilliant, you know, they they really got us um to a good spot and then Mark and Molly coming in last year, like they've just taken it to a whole new level. Like they're so professional, and um, it's like it's obviously showing in the accomplishments we've achieved so far. Mark was saying on the radio at the weekend too that the hurt of last year and what happened against Galtier is was a massive motivator when it came to getting back and getting training because it's not easy for any team to have to go all the way around the clock and go into the spring of the next year with their season, get to an All Ireland final, not taste the success and then have to turn around. And in this COVID year, having to kind of condense the championship into a short period of time too. But there's probably no better motivator than to try and get back to Crow Park again, having had a taste of it last year. Oh, definitely. Like, you, I think it was so heartbreaking when we did lose. And like, I suppose it took us a while to kind of get back on our feet. But then we realised, look, we can get there again. You know, we just need to pick ourselves up and get straight back into it. And that's what we did. And it was when COVID hit, um, it kind of, we were like, oh, kind of put a bit of a dampener on it. Like, you know, we were at such a good um, run going with trainings and stuff. Um, so we had to start doing our own individual trainings. But um, as soon as we got back to the group sessions, like it was intense from the start. Like we, you know, there was no stopping us. The only benefit, I guess, with the break with COVID, it meant some of the players who were carrying injuries and dings and bangs and everything else were able to come back and, you know, Murray Daly, who we spoke to on the show last week, scores a goal and a point in that final. Uh, Kay Kenny maybe doesn't have as much of a stretch on her resources herself and Roisin uh, with the way the football and uh, Camogie are going to be broken up for Provincial this year. Uh, Kate, again, scored 1-4 in the final. At least the only benefit, I guess, of things being driven a little bit later, one of them is that you get Murray Daly recovered and back able to play for you this uh, late summer and into the autumn. Yeah, it's great to have Murray back. Um... Like she's such an influential player. Like the like as you said, she got a goal and a point in the final. Um she just she works so hard, so we're delighted to have her back. And I suppose the fact we had lost Helen um Dolan in midfield, like, you know, that she was a big loss to us. So um it was great to have Maraid there to kind of um make up for that loss in a sense. Um and like as you said, we've Kate and Roisin, you know, they're not as stretched with the football. Um, even though they're still, you know, still playing great with their football, but um we have them a bit more um, for the Camogie. They can focus on both individually a bit better. So uh, it makes such a difference when you have everyone able to play and everyone in good condition. Well, Nave Ciarán have their own adventure to go into Leinster, which starts this weekend. St. Rhinus, having won the Intermediate Ladies Football in Offaly, have got a Leinster campaign to play too. It's probably helpful, I would imagine, just as a club, that you can kind of park the camogie to a certain extent and worry about that in the new year now, as opposed to some of the kind of challenges we were talking about last year with two games taking place on the one weekend. You'll be able to give the camogie a right good focus and a proper run when it comes around. Yeah, exactly. Um, we can, you know, it, it's it's great for the football as well. Like I play both and um, we hadn't, 
won with the football in a long time. I know Nave Kieran were on they're on a great winning streak at the minute, but um we hadn't really you know our football had gone down a lot. So it's great for us to even be back competing at Leinster again like we used to a few years ago. And the fact that we can focus on it now, we're not um you know, it's not we're not going to be playing a camogie match on the Sunday afterwards. Um, it is great, like and it makes such a difference to even just the players with injuries and stuff, we're not putting as much pressure on ourselves um, physically either. So it's nice that we have that break, that we can you know, focus on the two sports separately. And, you know, you take any kind of crumb of positivity that you can in 2020, it must be lovely to have two medals in such quick succession, to have won the ladies football the week before and then to retain your camogie crown six days later. Yeah, it was brilliant. Like it was, it just brought a bit of a lift back to, you know, um, the club. Everyone was just so delighted for us. They're so proud of us. Um, and I think everyone just needed like a bit of positivity. Like, you know, it was just a lovely lift um, to give everyone. Yeah, it was great. Like it was a great lift to the club, um, to everyone involved, like everyone that would have attended our matches and everything. You know, it just, um, just a nice bit of news, I suppose, amongst all the bad news that's going on at the minute. So it was, it was great, great feeling. Um, I think everyone was so proud of us and we're so proud of our, ourselves. Um, so it's, it was really nice. I was chatting to Amory Guinan uh, last week for the preview of the final and she was on commentary in Wrath for your Camogie final last week. And one of the things we noticed is that you know, it's amazing the profile that can be added. Again, your ladies football final was on YouTube the week before. The Camogie was on Facebook on the week just gone by. COVID's been a terrible thing, but one of the positives that's really come through is that streaming has been rolled out and enhanced. Uh, once upon a time, to see the Camogie finally would have had to be one of the people who were in wrath on the day. But I was able to just flick on Facebook last Saturday and watch the final on my phone. It's actually opened up and probably given a lot more publicity to Camogie and ladies football than would have been previously possible. It has, definitely. It's great like that people can, you know, they don't have to leave their house um, see it but as well for people that are abroad you know I know some of the girls have sisters or brothers that are in different countries you know all the way over in Australia and they're able to see the matches now you know they're not just um, waiting for updates on their phone they're actually watching it there and then live which is great so it has and as you said it's brought such good publicity to the to football and camogie because um, people can see it like you know people that would never maybe have watched I know I'm watching lads football matches and hurling matches that I haven't watched before just because I can like on Facebook and stuff so I know people are the same and um, they're seeing how good the games are um, so it's great well fingers crossed for you you'll get a ticket in the magic ballot for the hurling final in a couple of weeks time and you'll be able to go and watch Rhinus and KK in person if not you'll be stuck like the rest of us on the computer or the phone watching it uh, Grony just on the final note when it comes to trying to get the Leinster crown again I guess having tasted success with a couple of them in recent seasons, I would imagine that when the new year comes around, you'll be trying everything to try and retain that crown. Yeah, definitely. Um, I suppose the last two years we've had a good um, success with the Leinster um, campaign. We just, I suppose we'll just do what we did last year and the year before, train hard, make sure we have our game plan right going into the matches um, and just it keep it going like everyone just drive on and hopefully we can retain our title for a third year in a row please god does it become any easier or harder when that happens because you know the first year everything was so new and you just went out and gave it a crack and won yourself a Leinster title last year you're that bit more familiar when you're defending a crown 
does it get any easier when you've now had a few campaigns behind you like in terms of just knowing what to expect when you go out with the county um, yeah i suppose it makes it a bit easier when like we know what kind of like standard we're up against like we know we're not going to get anything too easy in that a lot of matches you know they're not gonna we're not just gonna win them easy we're gonna have to fight hard for them um but at the same time you, you know you're not you can't expect um you can't expect too much either like you know you have to just go take it as every other match you give it everything um just play to our like strong points as best we can um but definitely the experience of playing in the Leinster last two years would make it that bit easier. Uh, but it's still going to be like, you know, we can't take anything for granted. Well, that's all to worry about in 2021. Don't have to worry about it for the rest of 2020. Uh, Grony, thanks a million for uh, taking the call uh, to a chat with us here on the Brave and Faithful podcast. And uh, best of luck with St. Rhinus in the Leinster Club Junior Championship as well. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. So that was Grony Dolan, the St. Rhinus captain, in conversation with me earlier after their success. And I do wonder, maybe the fact that they can wait till the new year, Joe, to play their Leinster campaign. St. Rhinus are out in the ladies' football in the coming weeks in the club championship. Their Nave Kieran stars in Roisin Egan and in Kay Kenny can now concentrate on ladies' football for this year. No doubling up in terms of two games on the one weekend. And Rhinus should have a clean run when that camogie comes around. It was a busy weekend uh, outside of Gaelic Games. Understandably, this week's pod is fairly GA-focused given its county final season. Uh, but unfortunately we talked about Shane Lowry it was always going to be difficult to find form at the Irish Open because I was covering the press conference for Off the Ball on Wednesday and Shane had mentioned that he got back home from America on Monday understandably went straight from the airport to see his wife and to see his daughter Iris had a couple of days with the family before he travelled up to Galgorm Castle so not ideal you're dealing with the jet lag of the change of time zone you've just seen your family for less than 48 hours before you're back on the road uh, to make no stops between there and Ballymena to go to the golf course didn't get a huge amount of practice time before Galgorm it wasn't the course you would have been planning for for the Irish Open because it would have been Mount Juliet and he just never really got going over the two days left himself with a bit of work to do after day one but then missed the cut yeah but look I suppose when you really buy it down uh, Shane Lowry's human as well we spoke you know sometimes both the media and the general public can be unfair on you know international stars on this stage other well paid for well you have to make your own career like it's not like in the Premier League where you're given the wages every week Shane Lowry has to go out and win those tournaments or finish high up to make his living and we're all delighted he's been so successful but you know he has to get back see his family he's had a long long um, extended period of play there he's gone through rigorous the COVID testing um, in terms of over in the States and of course since the Open win his schedule and his workload and maybe his media appearances and everything has, have doubled and while it's been a hugely successful year for him and something that he'll always look back on as you know his greatest every year maybe it becomes very very hard to keep that energy up you welcome his break and you'd, you'd wish him like a full recovery now and just get five six weeks of chilling out you know relaxing with the family seeing a couple of his mates and you know he's been had a long season I think he was probably running on empty being honest coming over um, long travel long interrupted season without getting home and getting back to play in Europe a bit more and the distractions with COVID I think now he'll come back a refreshed player uh, he'll probably down tools for like look Shane Lowry he's taking five weeks off yeah but look Shane Lowry might take five weeks off in terms of professional play but I guarantee you'll see an Instagram the coming day Shane Lowry being a golf course in Ireland because he's obsessed with the game and actually playing so he'll probably meet some of his mates some of maybe his uh, fellow caddies and stuff that he pals around with you know 
we often see Stephen Grant himself, you know, playing in a couple of practice games against some other pros, and I'd say that will continue for Shane. But I just think being at home, getting refreshed, seeing his own people, and of course, number one, his family. Um, I hope he enjoys his time. He'll have a bit more time to work with his irons, and of course, the new golf clubs in his bag. But he said he was comfortable with his game. But look, sometimes you can just go out in tournaments. You don't get the breaks. You start uh, that bit. You know, worse for wear, and you know, there's a lot of pressure on Shane when he comes to the Irish Open because it's a tournament he so loves. And I would have spoken to people that are big golf followers in, in the likes of Bourne, in the likes of Tullamore, and they would have said that you know, there's so much love for Shane Lowry. McElroy doesn't always come back and play, Graham McDowell didn't come back and play in Northern Ireland. Shane Lowry says he can see himself here for the next 30 years. So I think once he gets his break, Shane will look to the season ahead. The other thing as well, Shane Lowry is a winner. This is sometimes forgotten when people remember, you know, the nice guy and they remember being so happy for him with the celebrations after the Open last year. Shane Lowry hates losing and understandably he can get very frustrated at himself and I think one of the things that Shane does, he cares a remarkable amount about the Irish Open. You mentioned and he said it during the week too, he could never imagine a scenario unless he was injured or there was some reason he couldn't play that he wouldn't want to play the Irish Open, the tournament where he had his breakthrough success. And I remember chatting to him in Ballyliffin two seasons ago when unfortunately his third day didn't go the way he wanted, he wanted to get back into contention, didn't play well in Donegal and he cut a massively frustrated figure and was very hard on himself. This is the thing about Shane, he is a fantastic player and sometimes it's that kind of human side that people miss out on, that golf is the most frustrating game possible if it's not going your way. And this is a time when he's, I think with the exception of the driver, pretty much the rest of his bag has changed over the last month. Yeah, and look Will, if me and you go in and play nine holes or 18 holes and I like to play a bit of golf, you think you have it mastered and say, Lord, this is getting easy. Next thing, the next four holes, nine, seven, eight, want to throw the clubs out the window going home. It's a hugely frustrating game, but I, I wonder does Shane, and he probably, of course, does realise it, but what he's given us supporters, because look, if someone in Offaly took up a game of marbles and won the World Championships, we'd all be marble supporters, but I often joke but with my friend, Shane Lowry probably gave us one of the greatest nights ever in Clara last year. I was lucky enough to be at the All-Ireland Final in 98, but at 10 years of age, you don't get the adult side of it going out socialising and stuff. I went over that day early to, to meet Brian Gavin and, and bring over tower lights from the job I was in. We came back that evening, we sat out in the, on, on the green, we sang, we laughed, we drank, we forgot to go home. It was just, it was an All-Ireland winning night. And when you see people from Cool Derry and Burr crying in Clara in outside Baggots with the joy that the night, it was a summer's evening, the music was hopping out of it he's responsible for lifting the emotions of a whole summer. I look back on, I have it saved, and my father watches it a good bit as well, and um, that documentary on the Open, the emotion even in Brendan when he talked about the US Open. Like Shane Lowry is a local but a national hero, so I think everyone keeps an eye and hope he does well because he's a gentleman. I interviewed him a couple of times over in GA Centre. He always comes back, you know, county final or awfully football games where maybe uh, Club Faithful have done something. When he's available, he comes to these. He gives up his time. He comes you know, to O'Connor Park. I seen him in Borough last year, an intermediate match for Clara. Got in, got his chat there in Brian Whelan, signed a few photos. Just a gentleman, you'd wish him well. The only thing he ever had up on Shane Lowry, have the report at home, an under 14C final 2000, we put four goals by him and Drew Cullen lifted the C title with Shane in goals. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Michael Verney and I were both part of a football team to beat Clara in the community games. I think Michael Verney still has the cutting. Uh, very lucky that he kept it. I don't think either of us realised uh, who we had beaten exactly. at the time. Uh, but I think Shane Lowry was corner forward on the Clara team. And the report had made the point that Shane had kicked his freeze quite well. And quite, and quite a, actually, Brian Gavin often spoke it. Shane, quite an accomplished dead ball kicker at underage. Mm. You know, he was 
was, you know, one of those players that in corner forward, you could see he had that skill set, you know. And you just look, everyone just hopes Shane gets back and we have plenty more days out, you know, on majors and, and stuff like that because he's one of the most loved sports stars we have. Yeah, Masters is next for him. A uh, couple of other mentions to give. Uh, two young Burr players who were playing this weekend in the rugby, Peter Dooley. Good to see him back playing for Leinster A. They were beaten by Ulster, but he got a try. Uh, so good to see him coming into a bit of form uh, before the Pro 14 season gets back underway. I would imagine Leinster will probably recycle their squad a little bit given all they've done in the last two months. And hopefully Peter gets some more starts in the front row for them. Uh, Jack Regan, who would have come through at the same time, also from Burr, uh, bizarrely enough, is now in New Zealand uh, after being in the Leinster Academy, Ulster's Academy. Now he's at Otega in New Zealand and they won the Shield in the Mitre uh, 10 at the yeah. weekend. And he seems to be becoming a really key player for them. I'd, I'd probably rather talk about Jack first because obviously we know the levels Peter Rattman will touch on in a minute, but very interesting podcast I happened to listen to one time going home at work was Anthony Daly's one with the Irish Examiner he had on a brilliant brilliant honestly raw interview with his father Dahi and you know Dahi has often appeared in, on different platforms and, and, and spoke about the nostalgia years and, and the games that are going on but this was really honest it was kind of a side of Dottie Regan I hadn't seen and I text Dottie after but in that podcast he spoke about Jack and the support that he's given and, and the support Jack's mother and his family have given him this was a crossroads for a career wasn't getting maybe the opportunity in Ulster does he walk away from his dream go get another job give up on the rugby career or does he decide I'm going to go to New Zealand redevelop myself as a player I'm still a young man I still have a lot to offer I build myself up and go and the way Dottie spoke about it and Dottie was quite honest with him he said you know Jack is this going to happen I said we'll support you we've supported you financially we've supported you mentally everything they decided he's going to go Dottie spoke with pride of him see Dottie putting up a few bits about him on social media and for a youngster like that to have you know the balls to go and do that to readapt and say I'm not done with this career yet I'm still a young guy massively driven I remember Jack as a 16 17 year old now I won't say we're both in the gym doing the same work but I could be in a swimming pool I like to go into the pool you look up at Jack and he was constantly there doing his program doing his program I suppose he looked up to Peter Dooley as a neighbour only a couple of years in the difference I think what Jack is doing I hope it works out for him that he goes, gets his experience, grows as a man, you know, grows as a player, comes back to Ireland because you know yourself, a lot of the rugby careers, like Peter Dooley, you could be 27, 8, 29, again, you really get your chance. And I think the experience and the life experience that's coming to Jack um, Regan now, that'll pay off. And look, Peter Dooley will touch on now, two hugely proud Boer people. And, you know, you can speak about Peter Dooley and what he's after doing, but I think, you know, in their own ways, their careers might just entangle again sometime. Yeah, well, hopefully. It's a very unusual competition that Jack Regan has won too. So uh, his team beat Taranaki. It's for the Ranfurly Shield. And the thing about it is, it's kind of like a winner stays on style scenario. So you play these challenge games against your rivals. And what happens is you have to win it from the team who are currently holding the shield. So you effectively go to their ground, steal the shield away from them, and then you defend it against your rivals the next time round. It's so. basically the Mario Kart of New Zealand rugby. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And look, Mitre 10 is good standard. Uh, this is one of the things about Jack. He's getting rugby uh, consistently. Some people probably saw the picture of him after Otega had yeah. won a scrum at the weekend, and he just emerges out of it, uh, almost like a superhero. Um, but again, two lads who've had a very kind of unconventional route into rugby. You know, Two lads coming from a town where rugby is not the kind of number one sport and here they are now both making professional careers for themselves yeah and like particularly Peter's case is probably interesting because 
obviously, if Peter Dooley decided to put himself on the market and say, I'll go to a Connacht or an Ulster or even overseas, he'd be snapped up. But there's a serious reluctance from Leinster to, to say, Peter, I think your best rugby lies elsewhere. There's a massive belief. You have to remember, and I often say it to people that don't really understand fully what way the rugby system works. Keane is, or Keane Healy is in Keane my mind. Healy's in the way. In the way. And, you know, you were talking about world-class hookers in front of Peter Dooley. Do you know, they're, they're Irish, they're lines, and he's had to wait there against a world-class, you know, scrum. And there comes a time where Peter Dooley now has served his apprenticeship time and time again. He's, you know, captain the Leinster A's at a different stage. He's ran in tries. He's had good campaigns at times in the Pro 12. I think the next 18 months are probably huge for Peter Dooley because, you know, he has a great career up there, but players aren't maybe comfortable to sit in their career. They want to be in that limelight. And there will be a new wave of Leinster talent coming because we've seen Rob Carney's going to be leaving, Keane Healy's not going to be there forever, the likes of Sean Cronin, these guys. There's a certain lifespan in that front row. And I think Peter Dooley, his best years are still ahead of him because, as we said, for a prop, when you come to 27, 28, 29, that's when we've seen them at their best. Yeah, doesn't have that Andrew Porter can play at three and at one, uh, which is always unhelpful when you're in that kind of depth chart to try and catch up with them. But again, sometimes players have to move around. Tom Daly, one of his best mates, went to Connacht uh, last season and has flourished by getting a bit of extra rugby. Uh, get the feeling though, Leinster probably want to keep Peter around yeah. as a bit of cover for the front row. Um, elsewhere in the weekend just gone by, I know we're kind of going back to Gaelic games here slightly, but two big announcements that were made. Uh, rapid testing for COVID-19 is a big change in position by the GAA. I get the feeling they're determined now, despite all the talk of levels and level three and what could happen in four and five, that these championships are going to be completed and played this year. Uh, that's not without its controversy and awfully in the weekend just gone by, though, because a lot of Eden Derry people were unhappy that their parish team were going to be eliminated from the under-20 uh, football championship. Then all underage fixtures were pulled uh, because of the increase in cases. Uh, we see what's happened in Longford. Their two semi-finals were cancelled in the weekend just gone by. The Ulster Club Ladies Football Championship was pulled. It's just that reminder that COVID-19 is still there in the background and it could still play havoc with sport despite the calendar that came out on Friday for the inter-county season. Yeah, look, I think, I suppose, when you're involved in a county board, you're up there for criticism, you know, um, but I think there was an initial, you know, I, I said something big is after happening because I came off my lunch break in Midlands 103 and my phone was kind of flooded with notifications like yours and there were irate and airy supporters. But you kind of just have to take a step back and be calm and say, right, what is the situation here? Offaly GA had to rethink on their feet because it was probably maybe a bit quick to just like not let Eden Derry fulfil their fixture. Um, they then went and suspended all fixtures until today and there's a review meeting tonight, I think, um, here in the grounds at some stage. But I think it was it was good maturity and good leadership because I don't think at any stage Offaly want for any team to have to withdraw from a championship due to COVID. We've been very strong as a county on this. Our clubs have been exceptionally strong on it as well. You know, I've been around the grounds been one of the fortunate few, you know, like yourself and, and a few more journalists to get in and, and have access to these matches and we're grateful for that. But when I go to the grounds, it's very well marshalled. I was here yesterday, you know, there was a good atmosphere for two hundred people at it, you know. A lot of people texting, Joe, can you get me in? Joe, can you do this? You can't do it. And from my own club to Bor to Solomore, a lot of the grounds that have been in, it's been well handled. It's been unfortunate, and it was an unfortunate scenario for Derry to find themselves in. But we do have to respect COVID. We do have to respect the rules. And we'd hope, the under-20, that the hurling is resuming tomorrow night, the football will follow suit, and all our championships will get played in a safe environment. On a very fun note, when it comes to the rugby, 
Offaly is rugby country for women's rugby currently because we now have four players from Offaly who have been called into the Ireland Six Nations squad for the end of the Women's Championship. We're definitely going to talk to them over the next few weeks because they're in the middle of camp. They had their second camp last weekend. Good news that Claire Malloy, their former captain, is back in and training with the team. But from an Offaly perspective, you've got Nicola Friday in there, Ailsa Hughes, uh, two former Tullamore players now at this point, another former Tullamore player in Shannon Tuhi, uh, who also formerly was the Offaly junior Camogie goalkeeper. Uh, Ailsa Hughes would have played Camogie for the county. Nicola Friday played a lot of hockey. So we're talking about transfer skills and also Dunes Michelle Claffey who will be our backs representative along with Shannon Dewey in that Ireland squad all four picked and we wish them well and hopefully they can stay fit uh, between those games against Italy and France it's a huge period coming up for Adam Griggs side because they've got the World Cup qualifiers coming up in December too uh, so hopefully our quartet of players who've made that squad uh, can go well that pretty much brings us to a conclusion on week two of the podcast Joe uh, I would imagine next week we're back here start the hurling preview we got a bit of a feel with Brian Carroll there saying pressure on St. Rhinus they have to be KK or Cooldary how well a Cooldary man would say that uh, in order Particularly a man that has under 12 medals with St. Rhinus, of course, we'll have to give him back because the Rhinus, I'll, I'll give him that one. But look, it's been a huge, as you said, GA show uh, this week. We're coming through the closing stages of both championships. And, you know, we'll have a couple of surprises for you in the coming weeks. We have some live stories. We have some novelty uh, guests, I suppose, lined up and stuff. We will be covering all sports. And again, we'd ask you for your feedback. We'd ask you to like, share uh, and join and interact with the podcast because, look, this is the reason we started this. We love conversing about sport. We love our county. And, you know, we encourage people to get involved in whatever way you can with us. Easy there, John Milan. Uh, <laughs> Zoe Ryan was on video for this week's episode of the Brave and Faithful podcast. He has been Joe Troy. I've been Willow Callahan. If you're looking for us currently, maybe you're watching a video clip of us somewhere on social media. We are available at this point on Spotify, also on iTunes and Google Podcasts. If you want some uh, oral pleasure over the next while. And if you want to watch us, you can do so on YouTube. We are Faithful Pod on Twitter and we're brave and faithful on Facebook if you can give us a like uh, possibly a review it will help the show to grow a massive amount we'll be back next week we'll find out if Road or Tullamore are the county football champions for this unusual season of 2020 and we'll have a preview of St. Rhinus against KK next week thank you for watching or listening we'll speak to you soon talk to you then you've been listening to the brave and faithful podcast Will and Joe will be back with a fresh pod next Tuesday to continue the conversation, we're on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram.